tonight on the Midnight Train Podcast. In part two of our time travel mini-series, we dive deeper into the theory and conspiracy. So sit back, grab a drink, turn the volume to 11 and... Warning. Listener discretion is advised. We say things like... Fuck. Shit. Ass. Bitch. Cockasaurus Rex. Push to shove. And Motorhead Mac 10. All aboard. And welcome to season four, episode eight of the Midnight Train podcast, where we bring the dark to light. What's that mean? Well, you guys know what it means. We make fun of and joke about creepy shit while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer. And with me, as always, is the man who's literally phoning it in today. It's the one and only Jeff Butchko. Hello. Hey, my name is uh, Bill Smith. Bill Smith. And I was wondering if you had life insurance. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, Jeff is actually on the phone today because Jeff is actually quarantining. Because why is that, Jeff? Because I have COVID-19. Right. And we are going to actually go in a little bit further with that for his amazing uh WTF segment this week. So you guys got to make sure you're paying attention so you can hear his story of what the hell's going on and the uh, <laughs> the unfortunate <laughs> incident that happened to him while he was at the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> the so, many. Yeah. So make sure you guys are uh, sticking along with that. But it's good to hear you, man. It's, I'm glad you're here and, you know, everything's going well and you're feeling better. You know what I mean? It's good to be alive. It's good to be alive. Yeah. It's like a song. He's alive. Alive. Or to be alive. Born to be alive. That's born to be alive. I, I have no idea. What I don't that know. Is. What you <laughs> I'll find it. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> and with us, of course, is the purveyor of the paranormal and the man whose crazy fucking conspiracies deserve their own segment. It's the one and only Mr. Moody. <laughs> Hi, sir. Hi. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Oh, man. I am Good. awesome. Good. Yeah. Good. I am awesome. You have a good weekend? Yeah, it was all right. Like, uh, you know, wife kept me busy, you know, doing all kinds of shit. You know what else? Hold on a second. Uh Uh-oh. I just want to take a minute because everybody else gets applause. Okay. And you never get applause. I never do. Introduce yourself. Hi. I'm Jonathan Sayer. (laughs) (laughs) That might be the first time I've ever gotten the applause. Wow. I feel like you deserve it. Oh, well, thanks, buddy. You doing all right, though? I'm doing good. All right. Good. Good to hear. You got some Pringles over there. I see that. Yeah. I, uh, I've been eating those on mute when you guys are. It's <laughs> amazing. So you beautiful bunch of dark passengers know that we're just three goofballs and assholes that love history and can't get enough of the mysterious. And we want you all to know how much it means to us that you're listening to our goofy asses right now. Your reviews and support really do make all the hard work worthwhile. And in saying that, please stop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review. It only takes a couple of minutes. And it does help for some fucking reason. We, we don't really know. But as you may or may not know, we are not doctors. So we may it not. It keeps my kitchen going, by the way. So send those recipes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the chicken recipes. Yeah, and you need them right now, right? If anybody out there is listening, if you're new to this, yeah. if you're new to this, Jeff needs 
crockpot chicken recipes. Right. So go to Apple Podcasts and leave in your comments, just leave a good crockpot chicken recipe. Or message yeah. us or email uh, us. Take them from like bettycrocker.com. Like actually put some thought into it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Don't just copy and paste the recipe. Yeah. Any, anybody can do that shit. Come up with something yeah. new. I can fucking Google. <laughs> all right. <laughs> In fact, you know what? You guys can leave any message that you want or any review or anything that you want to say in there. You know, obviously Jeff being quarantined needs some recipes, <laughs> but this week you can actually say happy birthday to chainsaw. All right. Yeah. Happy birthday, you old son of a bitch. What do we we what was it earlier? We said 137. 137, I do believe he's yeah. 137, 137 years old. 137th birthday. Not too many more times around the sun, huh, buddy? <laughs> I'm not, I don't know, man. The way he's going, the sun might burn out before he rolls out of here. Oh no, he's gonna live forever. <laughs> that dude's he's gonna like Keith Richards' blood. He's a fucking he's a vampire. <laughs> Yeah. You can also find us on Spotify and iHeartRadio by typing the Midnight Train Podcast in their search bar and clicking the follow button. You'll then get each episode as they are released. And Patreon subscribers. Hey, quick, uh-oh. Quick question. Answer. Hey, Moody, does your yep. sister get senior citizen discounts for dating him? Uh, I think she makes sure, like, when she goes to McDonald's and stuff, that he orders to get the senior discount. Buckeye card. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So, like, she pulls in, they're like, oh, this is for your grandpa. This one's for you. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. Holy shit. She, uh, I know that they go, they go in the morning because I think the old people get free coffee or something. They get, a, like, a, like, a 50 cent cup yeah, of coffee. During the so day, does he just walk around the mall by himself? Is that what he does, too? Well, he gets there because you know how they have the, uh, like, they open early for old people now? Right, right. So, he uses that to his advantage. Well, that's good. So oh, she, there you go. Yeah, she's kind of like the chauffeur, and then they get out and make it look like she's, you know, helping him out. At least he has that, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? He needs somebody. Without that, I mean, what do you got? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, you got Jeopardy, Werther's Originals, maybe some loafers. I that's don't know. True. Maybe that's true. Maybe a loofah on a stick. You can't reach back there anymore. <laughs> shoe, he, uses, he actually uses a shoehorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Saints you know, all, we yeah, love you, dude. <laughs> everything's back in my day you know yeah. and the kids come up they're like well back in my day it was candy <laughs> we love you chainsaw we we were just busting your balls man but happy birthday we for do. sure for sure that's your present that's your Look, present yeah. actually actually he told me that uh as a present if anybody is thinking about getting him a present he wanted one of those toys from his childhood so he would love it if someone could get him a hoop and a stick so he could roll it down the street. Just bring it back the old yeah. days, right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you got the hoop and stick. Say, I was going to say they, they discontinued Lincoln Logs because of the lead paint, but I mean, I'm sure we could find one on eBay. Hey, man, I had Lincoln Logs. Oh, and that's a big old fat happy birthday to Chainsaw. And listen, Patreon subscribers will be getting, once Jeff is out of quarantine, a special high-as-hell movie review. And we already know what movie we're going to be doing, thanks to a certain Jessica Skelton, right? Yep. Um, What's that movie again? uh, It is... uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. There you go. All right, cool. Say it again. Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. That's what we'll be watching. For English. Two, for Spanish. (laughs) Also, what is... uh, What does it feel like? We got a Patreon episode for this week too, correct? Yes. And what is that going to be? We are going to be doing all well, for the new thing that you and I are actually doing right. the, uh, uh, the 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 what's what the music died. Day the, We're yeah. doing the number two. Yeah, and it's going to be Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. We're actually going to be talking about Buddy Holly for this next one for this. Uh, for, Jay Weezer. 
Uh, there is a mention of that towards the end, but yes, it's not the song. By the okay. Way. Yeah. Okay. No, it's the actual gentleman who was a huge icon for a ton of people, Absolutely. man. The dude, uh, I didn't even There's know. There's a half lot of really cool info in there that I didn't know when I was, when I was doing it. <laughs> yeah. Peggy Sue. That was it. You okay over there? Are you stroking out on us? Dude, I didn't realize that. Dude, I have so many drugs. Like, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> One of the things I didn't realize about that was that that dude was only 22 years old. Yeah. He was a beast. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he died. When he died, he died, obviously, if if you guys remember, he with Richie Valens. Yep. The big bopper. Only, wow. Richie Valens was only 17 when that all went down. Yep. Let's be legit, though. Back then, anybody could get a record deal. It's not like nowadays where they don't exist. Actually, if you listen to the Patreon, Jeff, it wasn't as easy as you think. It's in there. It says something in there. Well, about that, so. No, it wasn't as easy, but it is definitely it was definitely easier back then than it is nowadays. I'll tell you that. Eh, maybe. Maybe just because there wasn't well, many people. For everyone out there, you're going to have to listen and sign up to patreon.com yeah, forward slash there you go. the Midnight there Train Podcast. So that's patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast. Sign up up there. And you guys will check it out. So, you know, the Patreon subscribers out there will be getting that this week as well. So, all right. Let's turn down the lights. Adjust our seats. Grab a drink. And let's get spooky. But first, here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers. That went all over my computer that time. <laughs> Mine was already open. I had to improvise. Jeff, are you drinking over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah? All right. Is alcohol good for the corona? Yes, uh, some Tylenol, NyQuil, and Benadryl all in one. <laughs> nice. Dude, you're probably way more hammered than we are. <laughs> you know it. All right. So in part two of our time travel episode, we examine tales of actual time travelers. All right. Who are they? Where are they from? When are they from? What do they have to offer? Why are they time traveling? Do they know where I put my fucking sunglasses? Yeah. Hopefully we can uh, answer some of these questions today. So we're going to go through this. <laughs> and, and we're, we're going to try and convince Jeff over here because he's wanted time travel for so long. The first yeah. episode that we did um, on, on part one was all the sciencey shit that made everyone's ears bleed. I liked it. This is going to be a little bit more <laughs> of the actual incidences. These are the incidences. Inci incidents. Travelers. Incidences. I'll never get that straight. I swear <laughs> to God. So the first one we're going to talk about here is the Moberly Jourdain incident. All right. Now, we briefly talked about this one um, in part one. All right. Yeah, that was one of the little insert stories to keep Jeff awake. Right, right. So Charlotte Ann Moberly was an, uh, an English academic and writer. So in other words, she was just far more intelligent than we are. <laughs> Correct. Okay? All right. Yes. She was uh, made the first. She's English. She's. Oh, yeah. She's English. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she definitely is. Right. right. Also, I just want to really quickly preface this by saying there is some French stuff in here. Yeah, there is some French <laughs> stuff. Yes. So Jacques, the French guy, will be showing up. <laughs> nice. All right. So. Charlotte, um, she was actually made the first principal of St. Hugh's College in Oxford, England in 1886, where she served until her retirement in 1915. All right, so she's no joke. She rose to fame following an incident where she came to believe that she had slipped back in time to the era of the French Revolution whilst visiting the Petit Trianon in Versailles. Is it Versailles? 
Versailles. Versailles, France, with friend and fellow academic um, Eleanor Jourdain. So Eleanor was an English academic and writer as well. So two extremely intelligent women, especially yep. for their time, you know. Yeah. In 1886. So it wasn't Thelma and Louise. It was not Thelma and Louise. No. <laughs> it was not. I mean, maybe. They were just different caliber of woman, right? right. It right. could be, like, but instead of driving off a cliff, spoiler alert, they, uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> all right. if, if you haven't seen Thelma and Louise, all right, you got a problem. Yeah. Instead of that, they, uh, they, they go back in time, possibly. Right. So in 1886, she actually became the first woman to sit at Oxford for a viva voce, or uh, it's an oral exam- examination in modern history oh yeah so um now she had interest in mysticism so she was also on the dark side of things which is awesome and uh, she and her buddy moberly actually wrote a book together about the experience so these were very very respected and profound and intelligent women especially of their time okay so people people respected their opinions and their insights and everything else okay so that's what makes this story a little bit more I, I, I don't want to say believable, but people... It gives it some legs. Yeah, it gives some credence to it. So yeah. in 1901, they, uh, the, both of them had decided to visit the Palace of Versailles in France as uh, part of several trips around Paris, all right? So they remembered not thinking much of the palace after touring it, so they said they decided to walk through the gardens toward the Petit Trianon, which is a chateau um, or, or a country house of, like, nobility, you know, uh, located on the grounds of the Palace of Versailles in Versailles, France. Duh. Like, duh, we all know that, right? <laughs> right? Does Jacques know that? Jacques, Jacques knows of this, yes, the Palace of Versailles, of course. Jacques, you're yelling again. I'm sorry, I'm French. <laughs> After reaching the Grand Trianon, which is a, a larger chateau that King Louis XIV of France had built as a retreat for himself and his royal mistress of the time, it was a... Oh, yeah, boy. Yeah. It was a place where he and his uh, royal buddies could actually eat and get away from the strict hoity-toity etiquette of the royal court. So upon arrival to the Grand Trianon, Moberly and Jourdain found that it was closed to the public. So they became lost, of course they did, after missing the turn for the main street and wound up nowhere near their destination. So Moberly reported that she noticed a woman shaking a white cloth out of a window. You know, just shaking a cloth out of a window. That's a surrender sign. (laughs) Or she's doing her laundry <laughs> either one yeah that's true so jordan recalled noticing an old deserted farmhouse outside of which was an old plow like old in for their time it was even old for them right. um at this point they described a feeling of oppression and dreariness coming over them you know you know that feeling when you get every day when you go to work <laughs> yeah, as soon as i wake up yep that's the yeah <laughs> so men who they thought looked like palace gardeners told them to just keep going go straight on down the road Moberly described the men as, quote, very dignified officials dressed in long grayish green coats and small three-cornered hats. Hmm. Sounds very revolutionary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jourdain recalled that she noticed a cottage with a woman holding out a jug to a girl in the doorway. Moberly remembered that she felt the atmosphere change around this time. So, like, everything just kind of felt weird. They had this weird kind of omnipresence going on around them. So Moberly quoted, quote, Everything suddenly looked unnatural, therefore unpleasant. Even the trees seemed to become flat and lifeless, like wood, like woodworked in tapestry. There were no effects of light and shade, and no wind stirred the trees. Now, in, I'm going to side note this. I don't think they were doing any drugs at the time. So <laughs> we actually can't say if they were drunk and or high. So, yeah. So they reported um, uh, reaching the edge of some woods and coming across a man seated beside a 
uh, garden kiosk wearing a cloak and a large shady hat. And according to Moberly, his appearance was, quote, most repulsive. Its expression was odious. His complexion was dark and rough, end quote. Kind of shitty for her to talk about the guy like that, but you know, whatever. You know. On a side note, I think we should bring back the wearing of cloaks. Of cloaks? Yeah. I'd wear a cloak. All right. That's Jeff, what I'm saying. Jeff, you'd wear a cloak, right? I wear one all the time. This yeah. would be like the perfect time for Jeff to be wearing a cloak. Just yeah. chilling out on his John Deere and his cloak. <laughs> <laughs> That's what thing here. Just a bunch of warlocks in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> So Jourdain noted that, quote, the man slowly turned his face, which was marked with smallpox. His complexion was very dark. The expression was evil and yet unseeing. And though I did not feel that he was looking particularly at us, I felt a repugnance to going past him. <laughs> These bitches are dude, rough, dude. I love, I love how they talked back in the of day. Of course. That, that, like there's the terms they <clears throat> use and stuff. It was the so, repugnance. So good, yeah. So good. So they said that another man whom they described as, quote, tall with large, dark eyes and crisp, curling black hair under a large sombrero hat <laughs> came up to them and showed them the way to the Petite Trianon, which was their initial destination. So Moberly said she noticed a lady sketching on the grass who looked at them after they crossed a bridge to reach the gardens in front of the palace. She later described the lady as wearing a light summer dress and a shady white hat with lots of fair hair. Moberly reported that she thought she was a tourist at first, but the dress appeared to be old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. Moberly came to believe that the lady was the one and only Marie Antoinette. Yes. That Marie Antoinette. Jesus, that's the loudest fuck over the phone. <laughs> Holy crap. Who was alive from 1755. Yeah, yeah. You know, it startles the <laughs> listeners. You have to. But she, was, she was alive from 1755 to 1793 and was the last queen of France before the French Revolution. Now, this trip was in 1901. Jourdain, however, did not see the lady, so only Moberly saw her, supposedly. All right, so she thinks she sees Marie Antoinette, the one and only, the one and only Marie Antoinette. Jacques, do you know Marie Antoinette? I do know her. Yeah. She right. is fantastic. Oh, wonderful. She is the one who had her head cut off, correct? Yes. 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 Yeah. Did you have a night? Did you have a nightcap with her? I did not. She would not allow me to. <laughs> I, hey, I have I have the bo a little bit, you know. Oh, you guys all have the bo, don't you? Right, I am French, right? <laughs> That's no offense to our French <laughs> listeners. Sorry, sorry. So at their return to the palace, they reported. Yeah, I think we're assholes over here. <laughs> right. They reported that they were directed round uh, round to the entrance and joined a party of other visitors. They said that after they toured the house, they had tea at the Hotel de Reservoir before returning to Jordan's apartment, okay? So, so far, Jeff, what do you think? She's, these two are, like, extremely intelligent, extremely just yeah. well-to-do people that are, you know, they're academic as shit, and they're basically saying that they were magically whisked away to the era of the French it's Revolution. Time slip. They yeah. got caught in a time slip. So, I, I already have an assumption or a hypothesis I, I would actually, wait. I, I would wanna... actually, I would love to hear it because I know where the story goes. Correct, and I know like okay. what the what the supposed uh, explanations are, and I would love to hear what your explanation is before we get there. Right. So, what do you think? Right off the rip, have you guys seen the movie The Village? M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, that movie's fucking awful. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That's exactly what this is. This is a culture or civilization that never continued with the times stayed in a certain era and sheltered themselves away from everybody else and they're stuck in that time period so 
when these two girls go there, it's almost like time travel because they're, they're, these people have not evolved. Just like the movie The Village where they contain themselves in that area and they live in like the old you know 1920s ways even though it's 2000 in the world you know what i'm saying okay right, right. all right it's right. interesting that's all right good, that's I, I like it so far I so like where you're headed all right so after the incident let's talk about this according to jordan and moberly neither woman mentioned the incident to one another until a week after leaving versailles when moberly in a letter to her sister about their trip started writing about the afternoon of the versailles incident she reportedly asked Jordan if she thought that the Petite Trianon was haunted, and Jordan told her that she thought it was. All right, so they're sitting around finally, and they're kind of talking about this thing after the fact. Yeah. Three months later in Oxford. Did, the- they, did they get what they were going for, though? They were going to find that place, right? Yeah, they ended up getting there. That was um, basically... Okay, so they did do that. <clears throat> right, they found, uh, when they said that that uh, somebody that they thought was like an older, like old-timey guy led them to the front of the building that they were looking for originally before they got lost. And then they joined like a little tour group and took a tour of the actual house that they were looking for. Okay. So they, they got their goal accomplished of why they went right. there in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they ended up okay. finding the house and, and doing the little tour and seeing what they wanted to see. Right. So now three okay. months, three months later in Oxford, the, 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 this dynamic duo here said they compared their notes and decided to write separate accounts of what happened while also researching the history of the Trianon. They thought they might have seen events that took place on August 1792, only six weeks before the abolition of the French monarchy, when the Tuileries Palace in Paris was besieged and the king's Swiss guards were actually massacred, which is pretty specific. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. these were very well-educated and respected women, so they kind of knew that time period. So they they said that this is a pr- almost precisely where they were at. Yeah, yeah they had... they. They basically tried to narrow it down to they they almost had narrowed down to like the day that they thought it was. Right. So they visited the Trianon Gardens again on several occasions, but were unable to trace the path they initially took. Various landmarks, such as the kiosk and the bridge, were missing and the grounds were full of people, which is odd considering that there was hardly anyone there when they right. were initially there. So trying to come up with an explanation, they wondered if they had stumbled across a private party or an event book that day. However, they found that nothing had been booked that afternoon. All right, so that's hmm. kind of odd. All right, so through the research, they thought they recognized the man they reportedly saw by the kiosk as, oh my God, this name, <laughs> Joseph nice. Joseph Hyacinth Francois de Paul de Regard Comte de Vaudreuil. <laughs> yes. That's a name? That's, that's his name, fucking dude. name. Yeah. He sounds like I wouldn't have liked him very much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But he was a friend of Marie Antoinette, who Moberly had actually claimed to see. All right. So this is, dude. And by the way, for you people people out there, instead of rewinding, I'm going to say that name again. Yeah, please do. Joseph Hyacinth Francois de Paul de Regard Comte de Vaudreuil. <laughs> and for your French listeners or Canadian, if I fuck that up, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> that name right there. Go ahead. Could you imagine this guy trying to get a Gmail account these days? <laughs> Fuck it, Jay, fuck it, it's just J. Yeah. Paul. Fuck yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> so they decided to publish their story in a book uh, called the uh, An Adventure in 1911 under the pseudonyms of Elizabeth Morrison and Francis Lamont. The book containing the claim that Marie Antoinette had been encountered in 1901 caused a huge sensation. However, many critics did not take it seriously on the grounds of the implausibilities and inconsistencies that it contained. In other words, everyone thought they were full of shit. All right. 
So a review of the even though they're well respected. Correct. Right. Right. So a review of the book by Eleanor Mildred Sidgwick. <laughs> Eleanor Mildred Sidgwick. Thank she you. Like a bitch. <laughs> Yes, she does, doesn't she? She's probably a very nice lady. Let me speak to the manager. Let me speak to the manager. My suit is <laughs> So in the proceedings of the uh, the Society for Psych- uh, Psychical, Psychical? Yeah. Research dis- uh, suggested that the women had misinterpreted normal events that they had experienced, which is bullshit meter level one. All right. <laughs> in 1903, an old map of the Trianon Gardens was found and showed a bridge that the two women had claimed to have crossed that had not been on any other map. The identity of the authors of An Adventure was not made public until 1931. All right, so nobody really knew who these women were. Right, That's but, and that's why everybody was so skeptical because their true identities weren't known at the time. Right, so yeah, everyone, they, you know, they were well-respected, but they didn't know who they were. Right. All right. So both women claimed many paranormal experiences before and after their adventure, and one of them Moberly claimed to have seen in the Louvre in 1914, in an apparition of the Roman Emperor Constantine, a man of unusual height wearing a gold crown and a toga. He was not observed by anybody else. Hmm. He was just there to party. Yeah. <laughs> so during the, yeah. First, during the First World War, Jourdain, the dominant personality of the pair who had succeeded as principal of St. Hugh's, became convinced that a German spy was hiding in the college. After developing increasingly autocratic behavior, she did, uh, died suddenly in 1924 in the middle of an academic scandal over her leadership of the college. Uh, her conduct having provoked mass resignations of academic staff and Moberly died in 1937. So these two <laughs> nut jobs <laughs> who are <clears throat> so smart and so well-educated. It, it sounds like she kind of started slipping mentally. Right. That's what and it sounds like. Like there was like some kind of something going on towards the end there. Cause I was reading a little bit about that with the, the whole college, the scandal thing. And it was, it was, yeah, it was, it sounded like she was just kind of being, she was losing, she was losing her shit for sure. Now I love this next part. All right. So, so Jeff, this is the, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> This, this, the sons of anarchy just drove by. <laughs> People in their car right now are afraid they're getting in an accident. They're, they're still going. They're still going. Oh, and all the Mayans are going to come by. Hold on. All right, we're good. We're so, good. So this is the explanation that, that kind of makes sense to me. Uh, it's also extremely weird, but um, so this is an explanation um, proposed by Philippe Julian in his 1965 biography of the French poet uh, Robert de Montesquieu. At the time, okay. Of, so we fast forward. This guy, like he did all the research, and he's gonna say what he thinks. Right. So yeah, this is just his interpretation. This is his interpretation, right? So uh, at the time of Moberly and Jourdain's excursion to Versailles, Montesquieu, um, who he, the French poet, lived nearby and reportedly had parties on the grounds where his friends actually dressed up in period costumes and performed tableaux vivants, or uh, they're called living pictures, as part of the um, the party entertainment. So yes, people used to get together dress up in old-time costumes, and create static scenes containing one or more actors or models. So these scenes... Yeah, just like uh, when they redo Confederate Wars and whatnot, right. what they call it reenactment. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So but the, they, were re- they reenact literal pictures. Right. They just sit there. Right, so they're... Fucking stupid. They're, oh, what a shitty hobby that <laughs> right. is. Right. But this is actually pretty similar to your theory, Jeff. Yes, it's very close. Yeah. 
So these scenes were stationary and silent, okay, usually in costume, carefully posed with props and or scenery, and maybe theatrically lit. So they would dress up, have scenery, and then just fucking stand there. Sounds like a ton of fucking fun. Okay. So, wow. so Moberly and Jordan may have inadvertently crashed a fancy-ass dress party that they confused for a haunting. The Marie Antoinette figure could have been a society lady or a cross-dresser. The, yeah, which is a thing. Well, dude, back in the day, they didn't let women do that. So, like, right. all the Shakespeare shit, the guy, the women were played by men. Absolutely. And the uh, the pockmarked man uh, could have been uh, Montesquieu himself, okay? Because I, I guess that's kind of what he looked like at the time. And it was suggested that a gathering of the time could have made a sinister impression on the two middle-class Edwardian, Edwardian spinsters who wouldn't have been, you know, used to such weird-ass parties. You know what I mean? These are they're proper kind of... Yeah, kind of just older, yeah, you know, academics, they're academics, not, you know. right? So that there is bullshit meter level two. All right. So in a review, you think, you think the guy would tell, like, you know, especially the guy in the cloak with the smallpox, <clears throat> you think he'd like pull the girls aside and be like, hey, just so you know, this is like a reenactment thing. Just play along with it. But he has you to know, stay. Like, what are the odds that, that these girls go break. to this thing at the right time? You know, you but, can't break character. Right, man. I have to stay in character the yeah. entire time. <laughs> you can't break character. <laughs> how, how am I supposed to do this, huh? It's like those um, those Russian guards that stand there and they can't break uh, silence. That's in England. Yeah, those are English, English guards. Yeah, English, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. in a review of the history of the Moberly Jordan adventure and the extensive public reaction to it, Terry Castle noted with skepticism. The claim that a shared delusion may have arisen out of a shared psychosis between the two women. So Castle concludes that when all proposed explanations have been considered, a core of mystery remains as much in relation to the psychological dynamics of the pair as to any aspects of the paranormal associated with their story. Bullshit meter level three. So in other words, they have a shared psychosis. They were together with something. Well, we talk about that all the time, though, with all our stories, like the Travis Walton thing. Like, yep. that's like a a constant thing throughout all the stories we talk about is there's always that mass hysteria, you know what I mean? Like where there's a group of people, one person sees one thing and like the other person's convinced that their general confidence is scared. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. So now psycho, uh, <laughs> first one, I'm doing pretty good. That's not bad. So yeah, far. Yeah. Thank you. 20 minutes in. You're all right. <laughs> so psychologist Leonard Zuzny, suggested that the incident was a hallucinatory experience are so good. <laughs> that was elaborated upon after oh, over time by information Moberly and Jordan gathered after the fact. Ha-ha, bullshit, level four. Right. right. So in other words, they they decided that they they went and talked with each other after and then kind of made a, a hypothesis after the fact. Well, and it would be like, um, <clears throat> like one of them would be like, yeah, and then I saw this guy, and then the other one would be like, oh, that's right. Because, you know, add right, that yeah, I do. I, I kind of right, think, yeah, exactly. maybe I did. Yep. You know, it's one of those things. So Brian Dunning of Skeptoid and, uh, concluded that uh, Moberly and Jordan were simply human and were mistaken. He notes the that the editions of their book, uh, An Adventure, were embellished each time they were published and inconsistencies inconsistencies. Yeah, thank you. Inconsistencies. Thank you. And their memories were apparent. All right. So each time they wrote it, there was something else different about things. Right. For example, in the second edition, the pair wrote that Moberly did not mention the sketching woman to Jordan until three months after their visit to Versailles. And Jordan did not remember such a thing. Bullshit meter level five. We have a winner. Ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. So basically, that's where we're going to. So the ladies believe they were in a time slip. And there are a lot of people debunking the story 
but the women stuck by it and it remains a famous tale of possible time travel. If you believe them. Wow! We'll be right back after this message. Every morning. Every this episode of the Midnight Train Podcast is sponsored by Voodoo Vodka. 20 times distilled, made from pure cane sugar and handcrafted right here in Ohio. Vodka can be smooth and voodoo proves it. Drink it straight, chilled, or in your favorite mixed drink. Ask for it wherever you buy your favorite liquors or head over to voodoo.com and subscribe to their mailing list. While you're there, pick up some voodoo merchandise and use the promo code Midnight Train Podcast, all one word, to get 10% off your entire order. That's voodoo, V O U D O U X.com. Promo code Midnight Train Podcast for 10% off. And you can now buy this delicious vodka online. So order some today and drink with us whenever you listen to the show. Voodoo Vodka, it's magic. And now we return to your regularly scheduled program. All right, so we are talking about time travel here. And the next person we're talking about who is a time traveler is his name is either John Titer or John Titter. And I'm going to go with Titter only because it sounds to me like, you know, Emperor Tit-Tit. <laughs> Chancellor Titter. Chancellor Tit-Tit. That's yeah. it. Yeah. How's it spelled, though, John? It's T-I-T-O-R. John T-I-T-O-R. So I'm going to say that. Just, you should spell it every time. <laughs> so John T-I-T-O-R. <laughs> I'm going to say Titter. Titter. So, so Jeff, we were talking about, you know, trying to get you to tell us whether or not you believe in these time travelers yeah. and what they're doing, right? All right. So we talked about the lovely ladies earlier, and there's some BS going on there, we think, and maybe some mental illness, but either way. <laughs> we, we Either way. So this one is John Titter, okay? On the 27th of January in 2001, an unusual message was posted on an online forum, Post to Post, a forum by Coast to Coast host Art Bell. All right? Amazing. Did you say lazy? Awesome. It said amazing. Oh, okay. Art Bell is a fucking man. I hopefully most of the people yeah. listening, hopefully most of the people listening know who Art Bell is. How's that sandwich? He's got a lot of crazy conspiracies, like good ones. Oh yeah, dude, he's great. All right, so this guy posted it on his forum here. Okay, so, and this is what it says: Greetings, I am a time traveler from the year 2036. I am on my way home after getting an IBM 5100 computer system from the year 1975. My time machine is a stationary mass temporal displacement unit manufactured by General Electric. The unit is powered by two topspin dual positive singularities that produce a standard offset tippler sunusoid. I will be happy to post pictures of the unit, end quote. Alright, so this is the this is the initial um, message that was sent over on this forum, alright? So the poster's, the poster's name was John Titter, a man described um, he described himself as an American soldier from the future. The, it's, what's his name? His name's, <laughs> what's his name, Reese? I was about to say, John. John? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Reese? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's all coming together now. So the reason for traveling back in time, he stated, was to retrieve an old computer which contained a component of vital importance to the future. This was a story which was maintained throughout further po- posts, which appeared in great number across numerous online forums. I think I put a picture of it in there. Yeah, there is actually a picture of this thing in here coming up, which is 
amazing. Yeah, well, it's great. <laughs> so for many who have researched this enigma, the name John Titter has been an, a constant source of fascination and obsession. This is in part due to the rich details his story provides about our future and the nature of the universe in which we live. In his forum post, Titter claimed that we inhabit a superverse where every possibility is happening concurrently across an infinite number of parallel universes. By traveling through different times and dimensions to the past, Titter stated that he would never be able to return back to the exact dimension from which he came. We following here? Which, if you yeah. if you follow this kind of stuff now, is something that is legitimately being talked about about the parallel universes, multi dimensions, multiverse, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So, so in, there's that. In, instead, he actually expected to travel to one different but very similar to his original timeline. The reason for this, he explained, is a divergency effect. All right, so check this out. I know this is this is nerdism coming out here, but this is actually pretty cool. Our universe is alleged to be 2.5% divergent from his universe. This means that Titter's own history, recorded in various forums from November 2000 to March 2001, supposedly references a future which is 2.5% different from our own. Yep. That makes sense? Correct. Slightly off. Slightly off, right. Yeah. So it's not By it's 2. not in parallel. 2.5% in the scheme of things, that's like a fraction of shit, right? Well, you would think that. Right. So who the fuck is John Titter? Well, John Titter described how he was an American historian with a specialism in the 20th century. His academic funding had been provided by the Army whilst he was an enlisted soldier. By the year 2036, he claimed that time travel had been developed by the government and had been used for several years by the time of his expedition. Titter said that he had been chosen to be sent to the year 1975 with the mission of retrieving an IBM 5100 a portable computer which contained an outdated piece of coding that was needed in the future. Also, portable computer. If you look at the picture, it's not thing, portable. It is not a it's, portable it's, computer. I mean, it is. I mean, you can move it. It's for 1976. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely... It'll fit in the backseat of your car. Or we'll put it that way. The whole backseat. Right. So the army had chosen Titter because of his historical knowledge and because his grandfather had been one of the people who had worked on the very computer needed. Okay. So he needed this thing. And this thing's large. <laughs> I mean, if you can remember back in the day, like um, the old school computers were like the screen's only about three inches like big, but the keyboard <laughs> and everything is like freaking. The, uh, well, the first computers were in a room. That's yeah, how they, they were. were right. they, they, they took up a wall. Yeah, this one doesn't. It's not quite that big. So I can see why they're calling it. It's it's portable. big. It's pretty big, though. Right. <clears throat> So it was it was one of the very first portable computers. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was, it was, it was it. <laughs> and it was introduced in uh, September of 1975, six years before the IBM personal computer. And it was the evolution of a prototype called the SCAMP, which is Special Computer APL Machine Portable, and was based on a 16-bit processor module Jeez. called Palm. At the time, this thing cost between $11,000 for the 16K <sighs> model to $20,000 for the 64K model. Okay, now just for you guys out there, that's between $54,464 to $99,026 in today's money. Imagine going out and buying a laptop for $99,000. Yeah. Right <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Apple. That's insane. And <laughs> but, you got, and y'all are complaining. Cheaper on it? What's that? 
Is that Minesweeper or Solitaire? I'm sure. I'm sure. Pong, maybe. Pong. Yeah, well, like, I don't know. Back dude, there. And everyone today is complaining that the fucking new PlayStation and Xbox are going to be like $500. Yeah, back in the day, <laughs> they, they used to spend, yeah, a lot of money on these things. 100, so. 100 grand on a computer. Yeah, but, but honey, I need this. <laughs> what the fuck do you need that for? Pong. I can organize my baseball cards in, in the cultural order. And finance, and finance for us. We can balance our checkbook, but you can do that with that with your checkbook. Okay, so so how likely is it that a future society would des- desperately need access to outdated computer technology? While this part of the story may seem unusual, in 2002, NASA actually experienced a very similar dilemma. To finish building their booster testing machines, they had to buy outdated medical equipment on eBay to scavenge their now obsolete Intel 8086 chips from the 1970s. It's fucking crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so awesome. Oh, my God. So in the case of the machine uh, Titter was uh, sent to retrieve, retrieve, the IBM 5100, the time traveler described a special feature of the machine which had not been publicly announced. Bizarrely, some of these computers are said to hold a special code which stopped being used after the 1970s. In 2004, a few years after the Titter mystery, Bob Dupke, an engineer who helped design the IBM 5100, did indeed confirm that such a feature existed. That's... So, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what's so fucked up? Like, seriously? I've got earbuds in. I'm in my barn. And when you played that song, my dog's ears, I could hear her in the window at my house. My dog's ears, like, tilted, and she ran away. <laughs> that bug's been fucking with you all night. I know I got one bug floating around I'm here. I'm sorry that that's so loud for you, Jeff, but I'm yeah. not going to hold back. It's, it's, it's like it's like the brown note. Like I don't know, man. It's crazy. It's like a dog whistle. I don't know. It's one what of those. Trying to do? <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those. Okay, so the fact that the <laughs> IBM 5100 is portable also makes it a better candidate than its far larger cousin cousins cousins for this alleged one man time travel expedition. All right, so Correct. obviously. He's wanting, you know, it, it's got to be movable. You got to be able to move it. Because like you were saying, some of the older computers were yeah, fucking we're, the sizes of rooms, right. you know. So as his motive for needing to travel back in time was somewhat logical, those communicating with Titter on forums at the time were drawn further into his story. So right now, this is just a guy telling a story. And that maybe that maybe, maybe not. <laughs> may or may not be true. So as well as describing his personal history, John Titter also revealed information about a future marred by warfare. A common theme in all of his posts is the detail he provides mm. in describing alleged future events like the new Civil War <laughs> and World War Three. Mm. So wait, wait, what happened with the code? Like, what was the code doing? What was that needed for? Well, that's what he's saying. He needs that. He just needs that particular code need or whatever code it is. need that code to basically do stuff that they need the code to proceed doing things that they're doing in the future, basically. Right. For other times. We don't don't know for sure what the code was for. Not at this point. Yeah. 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 Okay. So now he says that the year 2008 was a general day by which time everyone will um, realize the world they thought they were living in was over. The civil war in the United States will start in 2004. I would describe it as having a Waco type event every month that steadily gets worse. That's fucked up. Wow. The conflict will consume everyone in the U.S. by 2012 and end in 2015 with a very short World War III. 
Okay. So the Waco event, Titter referred to, if you're unaware or just living in a box under a bridge somewhere, was a siege in 1993 by American federal and state authorities against a religious sect in Texas. During the crisis, hundreds of federal agents attacked their compound. Overall, at least 80 members of the sect were killed, including children. At the time, the siege was widely regarded as a landmark event, which turned the minds of many Americans against the federal government. They fucked up. Yeah, they fucked up hard. I do remember that. And uh, by referencing this, um, especially with it still in recent memory, Titter insinuated the rising of tensions between local and central authorities. Indeed, the alleged time traveler described how, as a young man, his life was defined by a war which pitted the countryside of the United States against cities controlled by federal authorities. What does that sound like? Hmm... Hmm. Yeah, I held off on that one. I don't want to. I don't want to make you deaf on top of all your other maladies. (laughs) So, according to Titter, until 2015, this conflict was limited to guerrilla warfare across the nation. Those living in the countryside took up arms against perceived federal abuses of individual rights, like riots, maybe riots. Okay, yeah, you know, and you know, places in you know, Seattle area that you know, you know, things are. You know, in general, right. right? He says, "Quote: When the civil conflict started and got worse, people generally decided to either stay in the cities and lose most of their civil rights under the guise of security, or leave the cities for more isolated and rural areas." We just talked. Pretty about sure that I today? just sent something yeah. over to everybody today about that. Yeah. Our home was searched once, and the neighbor across the street was arrested for some unknown reason. That convinced my father to leave the city. He also says, quote, from the age of 8 to 12, we lived away from the cities and spent most of our time in a farm community with other families avoiding conflict with the federal police and National Guard. By that time, it was pretty clear that we were not going back to what we had, and the division between the cities and the country was well defined. So, (laughs) this is one of those ones. If you take the timeline away from that, or, or just say that it's a skewed a little bit. Right. Like, well, like, it is two percent, two and a half percent off. Right. So maybe maybe those definitive those times years are a bit are off because it sure sounds an awful lot. If that lot was two like, percent in his world, you know, I could push it back and push it forward or whatever in our world. What are you thinking so far here, Jeff? It's very interesting. I'm still still curious about this code thing. Like the I, I nerd, get, and he wants to know what the what the code was for. I wouldn't get too wrapped up in the code. <laughs> Calm down on the code, Jeff. All right. <laughs> Well, and uh, apparently he said he needed the code for. Um, uh, da, 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 da. But I mean, that was the whole reason he time traveled, right? Well, no. To go back. What to is get that computer? No, no, no. There was code. there was a. He just stated that there was a piece of technology in that computer that they needed. That they needed. Not specifically the code. He had just said that there were certain versions of that computer that had a specific code in it. And which that is was, true. But what do you but, think it could be? Like, but that was never. Do you have any theories? Yeah, it's probably for Contra, you know, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, select, <laughs> no, start. I guess, so, the only reason that the code was, the only reason that the code was brought up was basically to validate what he was doing. So, he was saying that, look, I understand that this is outdated technology, but we need a piece out of this computer to do something with, and to prove that he knew what he was talking about, he basically specified that there was a code in certain ones of these computers. Which was legitimately was, a code. That was never made public. Like most normal people, aside from the people that worked on that computer, did not know that. 
And then later yeah. on, somebody, so that was his way of validating that he knew what he was talking about. And then later on, somebody came out to validate that indeed there is certain versions of that computer that have a different code in it. What the code is, it is, is the pretty much, point. it's yeah. inconsequential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just a way to kind of, yeah. it was a way for him to prove that he was, he knew what he was talking about. Right, right. He didn't, he didn't need the code for anything though, is what I'm saying. Right. You got that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so due to the rising stakes of the conflict, a military career was, you know, it's an obvious choice for, you know, a young time traveler. And he says, of course. quote, I joined a shotgun infantry unit in 2011. I served with the fighting Diamondbacks for about four Ooh. years. The Civil War ended in 2015 when Russia attacked the U.S. cities, China, and Europe. <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking weird. It is, dude. It's weird. If people are paying attention to the news in any way, shape, or form, I mean, yeah. you know. So the conflict yeah. then became nuclear. Nuclear. Is it nuclear? Nuclear. Because people say it differently. That's the one I'm asking. I'm not, I'm nuclear. Not. It's nuclear. Nuclear? <laughs> nuclear. Yeah. That's an acne medication. <laughs> nuclear. Get nuclear. So the conflict then became nuclear with uh, America's enemies using nuclear weapons against many cities across the United States. And he says, quote, Nuclear war is a very undesirable thing, <laughs> you think? Nah. But it is not the end of the world. There are areas and cities we can't enter, and the environment did suffer a great deal of damage, but we are recovering. Isn't Hiroshima a thriving city today? The major physical effects include skin cancer, infertility, infection, etc. Almost everyone has some sort of physical remnant from the war. So this is what this dude's saying right now. Like, he... he He's got a lot of information that seems really prevalent. So to our present time. Right. And he says, uh, there are plenty of nuclear weapons left, but if anyone uses them, they will be instantly erased from the planet by everyone else, regardless of the politics. We are very tired of war. So, so basically they're like, I know you got nukes, but if you drop a nuke, everybody else in the world is gonna fucking destroy yeah, you. We're all aimed right at your ass. It's so. basically one of those everyone's got them so no one's going to use them type deal and he says here he goes on to state that after the war the usa reformed itself and he says quote the united states is still a representative republic in 2036 but it was touch and go for a while after the war the u.s had divided into five general areas based on their economic and defensive strengths many people blame the government organization for the war and the last constitutional congress was held in 2020 to officially scrap the constitution and start over Shit's, this shit's spooky, dude. That's fucking crazy. <clears throat> Fortunately, this exercise in anger pointed out how hard it was to come up with anything better. It was decided the document wasn't at fault. As a result, there have been a few small changes to the Constitution in the executive branch, but you would easily recognize it. The average citizen is more educated about the Constitution mm -hmm, and aware of the rights and responsibilities it gives them. Hmm, wouldn't that be nice? Federal power has been decentralized and the focus of daily politics is in the state senates. Federal law has also been streamlined, but much harder to change or make additions to. So that that right there <laughs> this is just that, so weird. And that right there is going back to what the Constitution was originally meant to be. A a rough set of guidelines for a federal government, but the states were originally Essentially, they wanted the states to control themselves, and then the federal government would control international affairs. That's essentially what the, the, the whole original setup was supposed to be. 
And that's pretty much what he's describing as happening. The crazy thing to me is, is that this was posted in 2001. Right. When and things were pretty, it like, whatever, you know, it was 2019, chill. 2020, 2019, sorry. You time traveling? <laughs> <I'm> time tra- <laughs> <laughs> you see what happened? <laughs> it was crazy. I went back in time. Jeff, what do you think about John time traveling just now? It's pretty epic. You <laughs> <the> DeLorean. <laughs> So yeah, it was it was. It, I, I'm just saying, like from 2001 you know, uh, until now. 2001 was 9/11, right? Yeah, yeah, September of 2001, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, 9/11 was in August. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> oh, Damn it. Fuck. Ah, karma. I got a leg cramp. Fuck. Ha ha. We got a leg cramp. There you go. So now, in the aftermath is. of World War Three. Titter explain how Survivor. <laughs> Hold on. I wish to God everyone could see Moody walking around like we're talking about chainsaw being old. He's like, I got a leg cramp. <laughs> nice. He's walking around on this leg. <laughs> does, he, does he need a cushion for his chair? <laughs> he needs a cushion for his chair. <laughs> Dude, he's, he's, beat, he's beat red right now. You okay, old timer? Yeah. Oh, is that it's sunburned? It's not the pain going up your ass right now. <laughs> so in the aftermath of World War III, Titter explained how survivors continue to value family and small communities. In 2036, life was described as being very different from what current society may imagine it to be. He says, in 2036, I live in central Florida with my family and I'm currently stationed at an army base in Tampa. The people that survived grew closer together. Life is centered on the family and then the community. I cannot imagine living even a few hundred miles away from my parents. He also goes on to say, quote, there is no large industrial complex creating masses of useless food and recreational items. Food and livestock is grown and sold locally. People spend much more time uh, reading and talking together face to face. Religion is taken seriously and everyone can multiply and divide in their heads. Outside of the religion thing, every single bit of that sounds like oh, awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That sounds absolutely aside, awesome. Aside from the reading and whatever, that's. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you think about it, things, are headed that way. People are locally sourcing food, like that's a big thing right now. Locally it's owned, used the locally whole farm to table like, thing yeah, and everything absolutely. else. Yeah. So now with peace, peace. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. With peace reinstated, time travel was invented by the year 2034. However, Titter pointed out that in his future, it has not yet been available for public use. Remember, he's a soldier. Only military. Right. So although it is reserved solely for official purposes, the general public are aware of its existence. In his forum post, Titter is happy to discuss time travel at length, including its moral implications, which he said are discussed in his own time. Titter claimed that the state, for example, had considered using time travel as a sort of punishment. <laughs> Are you going to fuck around? You're going back to 1960. All right. Don't make me send you to your room. Let's see how you like living without a fucking indoor plumbing. Yeah. Bitch. Yeah. You want the 1800s? Is that what you want? Yeah. You want to, you know what happens when you get syphilis back then? Huh? Yeah. You're fucked. That's what's happening. Dude. Instead of sending them to prison, they just shoot them back in time. Like, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> I would love to go back to the 60s. That'd be amazing. So, so what did he Not do? The 18th, uh, he, he murdered 17 people. Uh, where, where are we sending him? Um, the, uh, you know, back to where the dinosaurs ran, ran the area. Yeah. So, so he's fucked. Shoot him back to the fucking 
whatever the paleolithic, the paleolithic area, area. Yeah. You are screwed, sir. So now I'll be there. <laughs> Happy birthday. So Love now, you, buddy. <laughs> so why did John Titter reveal all that he did? Well, throughout his forum post, it is very clear that John Titter, whoever he is, is willing to provide as much detail about the alleged future. He gives opinions freely and is happy to answer questions, yet he had no desire to change the future to come. On the contrary, in his post, he often stated that he believed the coming conflict would be something um, which would actually help America grow in a positive way. And he says, quote, I think the war would be good for you and your society. I don't want to stop it, end quote. So, see, he's basically saying he likes that. That is a pretty like, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but that statement is is pretty like it's a bold statement. Like this dude supposedly is from the future, but a better future. And he's basically saying, look, you fucking need to destroy each other to get past all this bullshit and you'll be better for it. And I'm not going to fucking stop it, even if I could. I mean, yeah, I'm not disagreeing, to be honest, man. I, I mean, I can see the logic, you know? It's a logical theory. What, okay, remember the, the movie um, Fifth Element? Oh, I love that movie. Gary Oldman. Yeah. He's describing about uh, the glass, how it breaks off the table. Right. And he's got a little thing that comes and fix it. And, he, and yep. you know, from destruction, you, you build from it. You build from things that get torn apart. You right. know what I mean? So i'm not saying i want to see people die or anything no like that, absolutely ever. not I, I never want to see that happen in any way but you know sometimes I, you need to tear shit down to build it back up that's, that's what and I'm that's saying. that's exactly what he's saying right so now throughout his correspondence there is something of a callousness when uh titter speaks of the war to come in one private message he even revealed that he hates this current time seeing it as a period when people had it all yet squandered it out of ignorance he's talking about 2001 when he was writing this out our right. current time so why, if real, would a veteran of such an active time in history so openly reveal events yet to come? This question becomes all the more mind-boggling when it is apparent that Titter does not care about being believed. So the guy, you know, he's let's just say he's hypothetically trolling. He doesn't give a shit if you believe him or not. Right, he's basically making clear like, look, you can believe me or not believe me. This is what I know. This is what I'm saying. Right. Take it for what you will. So he actually says... You all right over there, buddy? <laughs> Jeff, are you still that's alive? The, that's the, yeah. That's okay. the Jeff Butchko 500 going on over there. <laughs> so he actually says, um, I realize. Oh, you can hear the cars. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He says, I realize yeah, there is no way for anyone to believe me with absolute certainty. So I hope at least entertaining. I realize my claims are a bit ridiculous, but my intent is not really to believe. To be believed, sorry. In fact, over this medium, it's impossible to prove I'm a time traveler. Therefore, it's impossible to believe. So he's basically saying, listen, I get it. You don't have to believe what I'm saying. It's hard to believe me, so I'm not asking you to believe me, basically, is what he's saying. And, you know, far from being apathetic, John Titter revealed he was afraid of being believed. So he says, quote, the reason time travelers do not reveal themselves is because your society scares the hell out of us. We do not want to end up in a cement room on a permanent supply of sodium prenatal as men with lab coats poke at our machine with screwdrivers, which I could see that same thing that people say about aliens. Yeah. So basically what he's saying is that time travelers as they exist are afraid of being thrown in a fucking asylum 
while the little instrument that's actually a time machine is being people are fucking with it to try to see what it is, right. if it's real or not. So the tenacity from uh, with which John Tedder stated that he does not expect or want to be believed is an element of this story, which perhaps ironically serves only to increase people's general willingness to believe him. Of course, he dismays it so people go, well, then he must be serious. Right. It's kind of like reverse psychology. Right. Unless, of course, that was his intention all along. If it is an elaborate hoax, it stands to reason why someone would state this is an act of reverse psychology. A lack of motive makes the persona of John Titter inherently more puzzling and more importantly, more believable. So is that reverse, reverse psychology? It's it's the, the three times reversed, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the debate surrounding the reality of John Titter is not an easy one to unpick. Both sides make genuine and sympathetic points. On the one hand, it all seems rather fanta- you know, fantastical. And as we already live in this future, redundant because he's telling us all this shit. Yet the 2.5% divergency effect neatly Ah. explains away any inconsistencies, thus redeeming the argument, which is amazing. I love that that in there. I love that. Yep. He can always, you you have a little little thing there that you can say. But that didn't happen yet, even though you said it did. Well, yeah, but there's the 2.5%. I have a reason for this. It might happen in a couple It'll happen in a couple years, maybe then. So Titter's knowledge of science and technology is another aspect which seemingly adds to the case's legitimacy. The alleged time traveler is very forthcoming with information about his time travel machine. Titter even went so far as to post online photocopies of the manual for his time machine. I put pictures of that in there for you. Supposedly developed by none other than General Motors (laughs) and the government in the future. At least he didn't say it was fucking AMC DeLorean. As well as the manual... He also updated or uploaded several photographs of something he claimed to be the machine, which he took in the present day. So, like, he was taking pictures of something yeah. and posting it, which I, I have in front I, of yeah, me I put right the now. pictures in there for you. Which it almost looks like uh, the Ghostbusters, um, um, the, 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 the ghost trap. Yeah, a little bit. It does the, look yeah, a little bit some, like that, yeah. yeah. So, theoretically speaking, all of what John Tedder claimed in his post is possible. One person by the name of Martin Pullman took Titter's ideas and documents one step further and in 2004 filed for a U.S. patent for a time machine. Mm-hmm. It was published Ooh. Yeah, it was published in 2006 and has since been considered an interesting, if albeit, theoretical application for the possibility of time travel. All of this um, increases the stakes, of course. So if a hoax, it is a highly elaborate one, thoughtfully engineered by an educated individual or group of individuals. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing saying that it's not a bunch of people that are sitting up there trolling everyone. A bunch of dudes are just high. Right. Like, dude, this is hilarious, bro. <laughs> Smart dudes. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> John Titter could simply not have been invented in all his complexities one weekend by the average poor teenager. Uh, obviously, you're right. Not, it's it's got to be someone who knows what the fuck they're talking somebody about. Somebody knows. And somebody something. with knowledge of old technology. Right. Because he obviously knew about that computer. Right. So it's like some, some old dudes. Some old <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make this awesome. <laughs> like sixty year old yeah. like grandpas. Yeah. It's like this fucking hilarious. Bill, thing. pass the bong. Oh. These fucking kids don't know what's gonna hit them. <laughs> so another theory is that John Titter was created for social control. As the year 2036 is painted in a very specific manner, some people have claimed that Titter is right or is a right wing personality invented in order to instill fear of the federal government. However, in one of his posts, he advises people to not hoard guns explaining that it will only work to make you a target. Since gun ownership is a maximum of the Republican right wing in America, it would almost amount to hearsay, 
to not include the necessity of personal gun ownership in a bleak pro-Republican future. So that's Ooh. very, very weird if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Now, however, his 2.5% divergency effect will always give <laughs> the metaphorical get-out-of-jail-free card like we were just talking yep. about. So while it may be a fascinatingly elaborate hoax, his story cannot be argued against completely. If all possibilities are happening. That's the most genius part of this whole entire story. Absolutely. A little leeway. It's a contingency factor. Like Go ahead. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. That's what, like if, I, if I was ever going to come up with like a trolling hoax and I really wanted to convince people, you just throw in that little tolerance window where it's like, well, but there's this. Right. Yeah. You could always fall back on that, like always. You know what that is? That's the, that's the equivalent of, well, can you prove it? Well, can you not prove it? Like you can't prove that it's not real. You know what I mean? Right. Like you that's do, exactly you what you do that to me all the time. Absolutely, son of a bitch. Absolutely. So now, if all possibilities are happening happening concurrently across an infinite number of parallel universes, universes, who is to say whether or not the future titter described isn't one of them? Whilst predictable, the alleged time traveler does describe underlying problems, which has led the United States to war once before. And I mean. From 2001 to 2020, he's talking about some stuff that's really prevalent to right it is, now. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely similar to things that are happening. Right. So is 2.5% divergence enough to make our future look very different from the one proposed by the mysterious John Titter? After all, our past is filled with small moments that become history defining. If something had changed in these moments, even ever so slightly, history could have ended up being completely different. In 1914, for example, if Archduke Ferdinand's driver had taken but 2.5 seconds more to think about where he was going, would he have taken the wrong turn, which led straight to the front of the cafe where the Archduke's assassin just so happened to be? Without that wrong turn, that small moment of chance, would would World War One actually have started? Right. There's a like, butterfly effect stuff. Yeah, right, completely. If, he would've, if that 2.5% meant that he didn't make that wrong turn, he never gets assassinated. That's it. Butterfly the war effect. never starts. You know, but who's to say something else wouldn't have happened? Or would World War I uh, merely have just happened at a later date? Right. Driven by the same underlying problems, you know, but triggered by different circumstances. Different circumstances. You know what I mean? Something else just, it, like, it's right. inevitable. It's going to fucking happen. Right. Thus, um, just because the future hasn't unraveled precisely as John Titter described it yet, it doesn't mean it won't happen at all. And that is part of the reason why the mystery of John Titter will forevermore remain that. Just a fucking mystery. Wow! We'll be right back after this message. Every morning. This episode of the Midnight Train Podcast is sponsored by Aces Depot Bar and Grill. Aces Depot is not your typical corner bar. Conveniently located in beautiful and historic Olmsted Falls, Ohio, Aces Depot has raised the bar in hospitality, pub fare, and craft beer. Their vast menu and business information is available at aces-depot.com. So, stop in, grab a delicious gourmet burger or handcrafted pizza, and wash it down with one of their over 75 beers. Because at Aces Depot Bar and Grill, when you're here, you're family. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. Ah. Oops. So we're back <laughs> with the shine box. Should we make it official or should we just leave it like yeah, that? Yeah, we're back. We're, right, back. we're back, baby. Yeah. Moody. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, you know. <laughs> For all of you that maybe first time listeners, 
Moody controls the uh, the soundboard and all the little sound bites and stuff. And uh, one of these days he'll get it. <laughs> he'll get it. It couldn't have happened in a better scenario because like, it's like, when you're here, you're family. Now go get your fucking game up. <laughs> all right. So we're talking about time travelers. All right. Because we're talking about time plural, travel. Plural. Time travelers. Time travelers. And Emmett Brown, Marty McFly, Time Travelers? Uh, that story is coming up, yes. We have that. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I don't know if you've ever, for those of you who have never heard it, it's a good story. About uh, Emmett Brown? Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, he's pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. Right, story, yes, yes, right, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a good story. So now we're talking about <laughs> Andrew, is it Basagio? I think it's Basiago. Basiago, like yeah. the like the Asiago, like, like the cheese? cheese, right? But you throw a B in front of it. B Asiago. <laughs> it's B Asiago. No, Basiago. Okay, so Andrew Basiago. This dude is my favorite. All right, so apparently Moody is a huge fan of this guy. Absolutely. And this is a man who claims to have visited the past and future, during which he delivered dire messages to deceased presidents and gained intel from our future government. Having been, oh involved, yeah, having been involved in a CIA time travel program called Project Pegasus. Yes, sir. So according to Basiago, between 1962 to 1972, the U.S. government ran a clandestine operation called Project Pegasus. The program led to the successful development of a number of highly advanced technologies allowing for teleportation, physical time travel, and holographic time travel. He claims the program was run jointly by the CIA and DARPA and was used to contact former presidents, <laughs> teleport to Mars, and maintain... Lost? <laughs> Say what? Isn't that from the TV show Lost, the DARPA initiative? Uh, maybe. I've never seen that show. You're, I don't know. You've never seen the TV show Lost? I've never watched it, no. I, I've watched oh it, but God. I don't remember that. <clears throat> but he, he also says... Don't, uh, don't, wait, 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 wait. Don't fucking patronize me. <laughs> Because I haven't watched the show. <laughs> Jesus. It's like a great show. It's one of the I greatest know. shows ever made. It was on HBO, correct? Uh, no, no, it was on it was regular like, TV. Like ABC was or it? something like that. Yeah. Oh, well, never mind. Yeah, it, was, it was basic bitch TV. Oh, well, I didn't have TV for a while, so. He's a caveman. Oh, oh, go, oh, go. Look at me, dude. But he also <laughs> used, they, he claims that they used this uh, program uh, to maintain a rapport with extraterrestrials. So now, beginning when he was just a child, Basiago was selected from a group of <laughs> psychically gifted children to become a time-traveling liaison oh, Christ. who would go on to meet historical and future dignitaries as well as various extra, uh, extraterrestrial entities. Now, I Is need... Is a bald guy in a wheelchair that picked him? <laughs> Professor X? <laughs> we, we, have to, we have to also preface that this guy not only ran for president once... In 2016. He's running for he's president running again, again in 2020. And if you don't know who to vote for, fucking vote for this guy. Please, yeah. this dude needs to be our that president. Was it. He's yeah. got a good platform. If you check it out, it's a solid platform. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like that, all all bullshit aside, it's a solid platform. All right. So Basiago says his father had previously worked for the Ralph M. Parsons Engineering Corporation, where he helped develop the technology. When Basiago was brought to participate in his first <laughs> jump, he says his father had already been time traveling for years at the Curtis Wright Corporation in New Jersey. It was here when he was first exposed to the portal he would later use to teleport through time and space. The portal itself, Basiago describes as two parentheses-shaped booms that were eight feet tall and spaced about 10 feet apart. 
He describes the computer configuration from which the portal was being controlled as rudimentary and plugged into the wall with a power cord that would look more fitting if it led to a lathe or drill press. Ironic for a machine capable of tearing the space-time continuum apart. <laughs> Jesus. You got plug it in one ten volt? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it doesn't three, even use a 220. It's like a three-prong, like yeah. from a fucking guitar amp or yeah. something. Oh, I cut that third prong off. It doesn't. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I don't need a ground. Yeah, Fuck who, the ground. Who needs ground? It was buzzing. He's got a radio track adapter. It's causing a buzz. I just clipped it right off. <laughs> it was buzzing constantly. <laughs> so upon activation, this time traver, or traversing machine created a vortal tunnel from uh, radiant energy that was capable of bending the fabric of reality. This radiant energy was discovered by Nikola Tesla, whose schematic was post. Ah. Posthumously, I hate that word. Posthumously discovered by the government in his new. It's posthumously is what I always say. It's posthumously. Anyway, discovered by the government in his New York apartment in 1943. The yeah, technology I mean, they did raid his shit after he died. Correct. And they took all of his stuff. So the technology was parlayed into what Basiago calls a plasma confinement chamber, which a user jumps into before being transported to a different moment or place in time. Jeff, what do you think so far? I don't know, man. I'm thinking like the gold bloom version of the fly with the two pods. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I could see that. I could see like that. Star Trek, like Gotti beam me up kind of shit. Right. I could see that. Well, his first journey actually teleported him to the state capital of New Mexico, though he remained in the same time period. Later in his life, he says, he, yeah, right. Like of all places, why, why, why the capital of New Mexico? I, I don't know. So later in his life, he says he was able to uh, corroborate the uh, Capitol building as a common location involved in the program from a woman who said she saw people materialize there. So there's a woman who claims she saw that. He continued this training by traveling just a few hours back in time to, to get used to the sensation. So now eventually... He would travel back to Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, Washington's tent during the Revolutionary War, and even to the time of Jesus. He says the government had a desire to check the veracity of the historical accounts of these three figures due to their significance and the fact that they had uh, have been written about extensively. Well, duh. <laughs> I mean, it's only like three of the most. <laughs> I, I'd call them popular. Wouldn't you say those, those are popular? Jesus is popular, right? I mean, I mean. People know him. People, I mean, if you ask most people, they'll at least be like, eh, it sounds familiar. And the name sounds familiar. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Did he have a book about him? There's a book. Yeah, there was at least one book, right? Yeah, I, I was a, it was, I believe it was it's, a. It's in a hotel, right? It's, it's in the hotel. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. They okay. put him in all the hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. I think it's French. It's the Bible, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I think that's what it is. <laughs> okay. So Basiago says he also traveled to the future. To the year 2045, where he was transported to a building made of emerald and tungsten steel. There he was given a miniature canister of microfilm to be brought back to the 70s, which contained a wealth of knowledge of every historical event up until then. Seems like this guy's got, he's got a lot of fucking information out there, man. Now, you may have heard about Basiago not too long ago when he made ways in the media claiming Barack Obama had been a part of the same teleportation time travel program. Also, also Bush. That he was in, and he also claimed, okay, this even solicited a response from the White House, which adamantly denied the claim. <laughs> Dude, how fucking awesome is it that this dude's out there saying shit like this, and the White House legitimately has to be like, look, this is, hold on, hold on, hold on. We, no, we swear he didn't, yeah. 
So now the greatest thing is, is that. Uh, I would like to be this guy's kid. Yeah. Oh, I would fucking love it. <laughs> but the best part is, is that Bassiago, no matter who denies it or whatever, he still maintains his position that Barack Obama had been a part of the same teleportation time travel program that he was in. So that's pretty awesome that he sticks to his guns on this. So now, according to Bassiago, Obama went by the name Barry Soatero. <laughs> <laughs> was initially teleported to Mars at the age of 19. So Otero was sent on his interplanetary mission to communicate with Martian animals and the extraterrestrials living on the red planet. He claimed in a 2012 speech that he has definitive photographic evidence of intelligent life there from a picture of a Martian purportedly carving a rock with a handsaw on the planet's surface. <laughs> I've never, we've been doing this show for a long time. And I've never had tears in my eyes reading something so. It's fucking amazing, dude. <laughs> okay. It, it just goes to show you we're at the point in this world where this guy is a fucking candidate for presidency. First of all, you can't even get a person <laughs> with a normal head on his shoulders with normal ideas and like attainable goals and, and some sense of unity. You get all these fucking wackos and people are okay with that. Wait, 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 yeah, wait, wait. Real, real quick though, this I'm telling you though, if you look at this dude's platform, outside of all this bullshit, well, you guys think it's bullshit. I believe it. If you look at his platform, like his legitimate presidential platform, it is fucking better than anything out there right now. I think it's amazing that Jeff is sitting there like totally berating it or whatever, and all I keep thinking in my head is, well, Moody wants to vote for him. I, I, no lie. Well, I I will, like, I don't vote. I'm not registered to vote. I would seriously consider registering to vote just to vote for this guy. Oh, God. All I right. have I have another comment that he makes after this that Great. I want to bring up. So now, so now he also, <laughs> he says he has future knowledge that some, uh, sometime between now and 2028, he will either be elected president or vice president. He says this information was divulged to him from members with a with career associations in the CIA. Although he says time travel for every citizen would create a universe way too chaotic, Basiago believes everyone should have access to teleportation. It would solve so many of our transportation shortcomings. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> dude, I can't even with this guy. Oh my God. Tell right. me, tell me, I don't, I fucking defy you to tell me that either Biden or Trump is a fucking better candidate than this guy. I, I, I can't deny you or can't. agree with that at all. Yeah, you I'm staying out it. of that one. Yeah. You said you had another quote from him? <laughs> if you like that, you're going to love this. All right. This is a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is from an article, and I, I saw this when I was doing the art. I, after I wrote all this stuff, I found this, and I wanted to bring it up. It's an article talking about, because uh, he supposedly has a picture of him back. He supposedly went to the Gettysburg Address. Okay. And there's a photograph that he claims is him as a boy standing in there like at the Gettysburg Address. Okay. And it says, this article says, speaking of blurry pictures, Andy has seen a Sasquatch. Two of them at age four, far too young to be LSD tripping with Timothy. He was camping with his family in the Adirondacks when a middle-aged Sasquatch and his five-year-old son happened into the camp. <laughs> Quote, hold on, this gets even better. Quote, 
I am the first presidential candidate since Theodore Roosevelt to affirm the existence of Sasquatch based on a personal encounter. He bragged to the interviewer. That's pretty much, that's pretty awesome. This fucking guy has seen a Sasquatch. Now, wait, well, let's go back real quick. He said Teddy Roosevelt? Apparently, Teddy Roosevelt has seen a Sasquatch. I, I have know. to research that I to didn't, see if that's yeah, true. I didn't look that up, but so the dude time travels, teleports, and has seen a Sasquatch. He's pretty awesome. And you're going to fucking tell me you wouldn't vote for this guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man like, hold on look at here we all like a dumpster fire just, dude just real quick he quote quote immigration is good for our country so he's all about immigration health care he wants to repeal obamacare and do what the canadians do do it the canadian way universal <laughs> health care all that okay right so i mean that's i mean that's um, I, I gotta go with the rest of it but he's he's got some good ideas man the guy he says I everything everybody wants to hear so he could get in and then be a fucking psycho. Is that not what they all do, though? Ah, dun, dun, dun. I don't know what you Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you a question. Are, are you working a job right now? Um, No, he's here no, with us. I'm here with you doing a podcast. <laughs> you know what I'm asking? What? Are you, are, you know what I'm asking? Are you working a job right now, a steady job? Yeah, for the most part. Okay, so you have a roof over your head and you're feeding your children. Barely. You're, you're, but you are. What are you feeding your children? Uh, other children. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. You let this guy get in, and him and his Barry, Mars, Martian, Barack Obama buddy, dude, it, it's over. I'm telling you. Not at all. This dude's going to make America. This dude's going to make America great again. <laughs> With teleportation in every household. Look, he already knows what's going to happen, oh so it's God. cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk about Alexander Smith. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So, Jeff, you don't believe that this dude teleports and time travels? God, no. <laughs> I can't believe this guy's not locked up. And you wouldn't you wouldn't vote for him as president? No. He's almost oh, like the okay. what's, what's no. the was it the king of Sweden? Isn't that the guy that walks around with the, like the crazy hats? I don't fucking know. Really, there's a guy that claims to be the king of Sweden, I think, or president of Sweden, and like he's like he wears like these insane hats or something like that. I swear to God, dude, you got to look it up. Anyway, no, no, this dude's my this is my candidate. <laughs> so let's talk about Alexander Smith. Alexander, who claims to have been to the year 2118, so 2118, mm. gave an interview where he failed to explain how he time traveled. <laughs> Off to a good start. <laughs> he claimed he had proof in the form of a blurry photo, which appeared to show a row of green, oddly shaped buildings. I think he, I put that picture in there, too. Yeah. Uh, yes, okay. I see the picture. It looks like a bunch of dildos. Is, this, is, is he in that picture, too? Uh, no, it's just okay, a bunch I of... I think this dude's like this weird-looking bald dude. I actually, can't it looks like if you squint your eyes, it looks like a couple of bongs. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's a weird picture. Yeah. yeah. You Are you sure that's not Sasquatch's cousin? Yeah, it might be. It could be. Could be. Let's so, ask Andy. Yeah. <laughs> so he claims this is the skyline of a city 100 years into the future and says time travel can distort pictures. Well, duh, of course it can. Well, yeah. You're going freaking 100 years into the future. You're trying to take a Polaroid while you're running? Right. It's blurry. Yeah. <laughs> he says he was on a top secret CIA mission in 1981 and thinks the agency is hunting him down after the assignment. Unlike other people, right. who, <laughs> unlike other people who claim to have time traveled, he hasn't insisted on his face being blurred or his name yeah, changed. Yeah, this is the dude. He's like this weird-looking, like, older, bald guy. So, <laughs> Mr. Smith, who speaks in an American accent, warned of many threats to the human race and urged people to combat global warming. 
He said, quote, there are many threats to the human race. The number one threat to humanity as we know it is global warming, rising sea levels, as oh well as God. the increase in CO2 in our <laughs> atmosphere. <laughs> he says, quote, we must take steps now to combat, combat global warming, who also says aliens first came to Earth in the mid-21st century. Okay. He also claims he refused to make, quote, billions by buying lottery tickets because doing so would have ended the human race. People, people, because that was the one thing that people kept asking him. Like, well, if you're from the future, why didn't you buy a lottery ticket and win a bunch of money? Right. Blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like the paradox thing. Like, if he right. did that, he would fuck everything up. And he also says it was strictly forbidden by the CIA to do anything that would increase my monetary wealth. <laughs> yeah. So Smith, who claims he was paid handsomely by the Time CIA, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Too, yeah, he says he was paid handsomely by the CIA. Says the intelligence agency forbade him from increasing his own wealth, like we said. And they also explained to me, "quote If I did so, it could spell the end of the human race because it would cause a paradox." So I do have to say, though, if you notice, and I mean, obviously, it's a convenient cover, but. uh a lot of these stories involve the CIA. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good about these guys right yeah. about now. I yeah. think... Uh, you know who the head of, head of the CIA was back in the days? Bush Sr. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And yeah. he, one of the Bushes supposedly tried, went to Mars with fucking Barack Obama, dude. Yeah. I, how you are go. you not making this like connection? It's, it's, all, it's, no, it's coming together. It's all making sense, though. It's it coming, is. All making sense, Absolutely. Though. It's absolutely coming together. So you know we is need to talk about a website I can donate to for campaign. Uh, it's patreon.com slash the midnight train podcast. Yeah, yeah do that yeah. one. <laughs> that's that's the best awesome. one you could do. Yeah. It's awesome. Wow. We'll be right back after this message. Every morning. But now we return to your regularly scheduled program. The rag in the gas tank but and light it. Jeff, 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 blow the car up, yo, and there'll be no evidence. Dude, hey, hey. the phone, your your phone is still coming through the board. Oh shit! <laughs> you didn't. We'll, we'll finish that conversation later. You said you were going to mute okay. it, so I didn't. That's on you, man. All right, my bad. <laughs> so we're talking about edit it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll edit that out. No problem. I'm not going to edit that out. Nah, I wouldn't either. So, Jofar Vorin. <laughs> In 1850, that guy from Aladdin. It sounds like it <laughs> could be. It's Jofar or Yorfar, one of the two. Who knows? In 1851, a certain Joseph, it, it's got to be Joseph, Joseph Vorin or Josef Vorin, came to the attention of the German authorities. He mm. said he was from Laxaria in a country called Sakria. This alleged <laughs> true story appeared in numerous European and American publications in the spring of 1851. The following was written about the incident. German spectators, or speculators, excuse me, have got hold of a new subject. It is neither more nor less than a, quote, new man. The story, as we find it related in the correspondence of Berlin, attests that a stranger was picked up at the end of last year in a small village in the dis district of Le Bas, near Frankfurt on the Oder. <laughs> <laughs> you all right, man? Frankfurt on the Oder. Sorry. <laughs> it's a river. I, I get it. I get Jesus. it, but God, why did you name it that? Anyway, because they're Germans. Yeah, the Germans. Whether he, why would we name it the Mississippi? Because it's the Mississippi. Exactly. Okay. And that's the odor. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Whether he had wandered, no one could tell. 
whence. Such a circumstance could hardly have piqued curiosity in another country, but to, to a people fond of speculation and situated far away from the great highways of the world, there was something strange and startling in the fact that the stranger spoke German imperfectly and had all the marks of a Caucasian origin. Whether the man was a common imposter and tricked the village authorities, or whether those worthies began in their usual way to construct a history for him, quote, out of the depths of their moral consciousness, is uncertain. At all events, they looked on him as a great prize and carried him off to Frankfurt. On being questioned by the burgomaster of that enlightened city, the stranger said his name was Jofar Vorin, and that he came from a country called Laxaria, situated in the portion of the world called Sacria. He understands, it is affirmed, none of the European languages, except we must suppose the broken German, but reads and writes what he calls the Laxarian and Abramian tongues. So this guy claims he's from a completely fucking different... It, yeah, it's weird. Time and... It's fucking weird, dude. The latter he declares to be the written language of the clerical order in Laxaria and the other the common language of his people. He says that his religion is Christian in form and doctrine and that it is called Ispatian. Laxaria he represents to be many hundred miles from Europe and separated vast oceans from it. His purpose in coming to Europe, he alleges, was to seek a long-lost brother, but he suffered shipwreck on the voyage, where he does not know, nor can he trace his route on shore on any map or globe. He claims for his unknown race a considerable share of geographical knowledge. The five great compartments of the earth he calls Sacria, Aflar, Astar, Oslar, and Uplar. <laughs> You sure you didn't have a cough? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Oh, my God. The sages uh, the sages of Frankfurt on the Oder, after much examination of the tale and its bears, have come to the conclusion that it is true. <laughs> Some men believe things because they are incredible. So they actually think this guy's they, legit. They heard this dude's story. This is like all the higher ups, like the, the big fucking whatever in Germany at the time. And they're like. Sounds legit, I believe. <laughs> story, story checks out. Like, like that would be like if we brought somebody like this in front of like the president, like the Senate and the House and everything, and they told that story, and the Senate took a vote, and they're like, "Yeah, we fucking believe him. It's it sounds right. Let's say, yeah, let's go for it." Like that's that's pretty much what it was. That's pretty amazing. So <laughs> they're like, "Yeah, fuck him. He's right. Believe him." So these days, it is believed by, you know, <laughs> us, our crazy asses, that the, this man experienced some sort of interdimensional time slip. On August 30th, 2006, in Sweden, Hakan Norkvist came home to find water pooling on his kitchen floor. Oh, this is, I must not have spaced it out. This is another story. This is a different one. Oh, you son of a bitch. My bad. This is a new one. This is a new one, though. Moody fucked up. So now we're talking about Hakan Norkvist. Yes. Nord, I just want to say Norkvist again. You could say whatever you want, man. Norkvist. One more time. Okay, so let's go back to real fast and talk yeah, about Yeah, my bad on that. Fucking crazy I, McGee I real quick here. So <clears throat> he's from Laxaria, man. And they believed him. Correct. I mean, it's only a couple hundred miles from Europe. He said so himself. <laughs> he, <laughs> across vast oceans. They couldn't find it on a map. No, he couldn't find. He couldn't trace his route on a modern day map of, that they had. So, so which saw, leads credence to him being, oh, okay. He was saying, they showed him a map and said, where'd you come from? And he's like, I don't see it on here anywhere. What the fuck? What do you think about that, Jeff? Laxaria. Uh, I don't know. Um, Sacria. Yeah. Like the guy was lost and back in the day, they didn't have the technology and whatnot. And he, he, well, fuck it. I'm a time traveler. And those guys are like, you know what? We're bored. That's good. 
He probably Forgot bumped his that. head. He probably did shipwreck, fucking smacked his head on something and went loony. <laughs> Woke up like, I am from Sacria. But you're you from never where, know, man. You never know, though. If it's a if it's a parallel dimension, there could be a Sacria. This is true. And and, fucking, and, and an Aflar, an Astar, an Oslar, and a Uplar. Dude, fucking Uplar. I, I never Do heard you of think it. There's time, they have time ripples like... Uplar like, has a good football team this year. <laughs> Say what, Jeff? You think there's like time ripples throughout the world? There's like random like little black hole pockets that are ripples in time. I can it's see a, it happening. It's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, like that. Like that would explain if if you believe this kind of stuff and like they believe this guy's story. I mean, this was back in the 1800s, so whatever. But why not? Why couldn't it be something like there? If you look at all the possibilities and theories and like all the physics and time travel, all that stuff. It's possible. At like, this why point, why not? Why not somebody fucking floating through the ocean in a parallel dimension that hits a weird fucking wormhole or something like that and ends up in our world? I just think that with, with all the science that's out there and everything else, dude, I, I don't think that you can honestly sit there and say that nothing it's is impossible. Possible. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, uh, anything's possible. I'll do you one further. When I was eight years old, a very, I, I would call a legendary uh, film was released which explained everything in certain detail. And that one film is called Flight of the Navigator. And that... Dude, fucking... I love that fucking movie. time travel. That's time travel right there, baby. Flight of the Navigator was the shit. I fucking love that yeah. movie. It was the shit. That was a great movie. And it did. It, it That was our beginning of time travel for us. <laughs> so now let's talk about this guy that, uh, that we kind of mentioned a second ago. I forgot to put this... I'm sorry. It's fine. His, his name is Hakan Nordqvist. Hayuken. Hayuken. So on August 30th, 2006, in Sweden, Hakan Nordqvist came home to find water pooling on his kitchen floor. Assuming it was just a leak, he gathered some tools and, opening the kitchen sink cabinet, reached his arm in to feel for the pipe. Nordqvist claimed that he traveled into the future to the year 2042. That's fucking Mario Brothers, dude. <laughs> So there. <laughs> so he claims that there he met his 72-year-old self, and they compared tattoos and shared personal information that only the true Hakan Nordqvist would know. He says, "Quote: That's, I had- baller, dude. That, that's what you got to do. <laughs> Find your future self and kick it. Yeah, yeah. Or or ask questions like, why did I do this? <laughs> yeah. So." He says, quote, I had to crawl inside the cabinet, and as I did so, I discovered that it just continued. So I kept on crawling further and further into the cabinet. In the end of of the tunnel, I saw a light, and when I got there, I realized I was in the future. (laughs) He also allegedly captured this footage of himself, or themselves, with his cell phone. You can see, you can find the video, the cell phone video. And he claims, he says, I don't care if people think I am a liar. I know I'm not. I met myself in the future, and I was fine. That's all I know. And he still maintains his story to this day. Dude, the video. I gotta see that video. You can I fi- have to see that video. You can find it on YouTube, man. Like, the dude looks. So, the guy that he claims is his older self, they look similar. Um, they, uh, they look similar and they have the same tattoo. Do they really? Okay. Yeah, it's the same tattoo on the arm, same arm, everything like that. And, uh, like, it's definitely like. If if you really put it like they could be related, like they definitely look similar, like the guy could be like his dad or something, maybe. 
But they had like, you know, they show they put their arms out and they got the same tattoo on their arm and everything like that. It's 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 pretty fucking it's it's interesting. It's in, you can find it on YouTube. Go it, you can look it up. It's pretty, All right, it's pretty so, awesome. So listeners and passengers out there, listen, if it's Hakan H A K A N and last name is Nordkvist. Nordkvist. N O R D K V I S T. Go and uh, look up that video and tell us what you think about AKA it. Super Mario. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about a couple more things here, but this one's definitely awesome. It's the Philadelphia Experiment. All right. So the Philadelphia. This could be an episode on its own. It should be an episode on its own, but we're just going to touch on it here. Yeah. All right. So the Philadelphia Experiment is one of time travel. All right. This thing is about time travel, teleportation, and deep rooted conspiracy. Which is what we love here. Yeah. Officially. <laughs> Officially, it's a footnote in U.S. history with the true story of events obscured by rumors spanning over the decades. On the surface, we appear to have a strange but plausible experiment that ended in disaster and has likely been blown far out of proportion. As the story goes, during the deep days of World War II, a U.S. Navy destroyer allegedly vanished from the waters outside of Philadelphia, only to reappear instantaneously hundreds of miles away. It was an accident, an error in, 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 an error in an experiment only intended to hide the ship from view, but the result was fantastic and terrifying. Surely, this is a case of exaggeration and myth gone wild, right, Moody? Oh, yeah. Of course. Absolutely. The technology to create such an event isn't available today, much less 70 years ago, if it is even possible at all. Exactly. Right. But as we dig deeper, we see a picture of government cover-ups, otherworldly intervention, and the arrogant misuse of powers we have yet to understand. Sounds about right. Eventually, we are led to wonder if there could be more here than a tall tale. Is it possible that the events of the Philadelphia Experiment really happened? Um, it's possible, I suppose. Anything's possible, right? Yeah. If this show tells us anything, anything's possible. I mean, Barack Obama went to Mars. That's right. So if the story is real, the implications are incredible. As regular citizens, we surely realize there are top-secret government projects in the works at all times. Area 51 may or may not be a haven for UFOs, but surely it it, it and faculties um, or facilities like it house incredible government projects that are not yet ready for the public eye, right? They keep shit in under lock and key, right? Of they're, course. They're slowly, slowly bringing it out. Right. So to complicate the matter further, the Philadelphia Experiment is said to have deep roots in the Montauk Project, an alleged top-secret government program. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's something that we definitely need to touch on in, yeah, in we'll the future. Yeah, we'll take a look at that. Maybe a bonus episode on that or something? Absolutely. So is the Philadelphia Experiment tale a case where the government tried to cover up such a project only to have a true story leak out? The idea that the U.S. Navy experimented with teleportation and perhaps even time travel back during World War II only leaves us guessing at the incredible science that has evolved in the time since. Over the years, brilliant inventions from minds like Albert Einstein and Nikola Tesla have been alleged to have links to the project furthering the mystery. (laughs) If the events of the Philadelphia experiment did happen, did the government or perhaps the nation's top scientists shut the project down out of fear? Would the U.S. government really refuse to capitalize on such powerful technology? No. I don't think so either. Jeff, do you think so? I don't know. You ever (laughs) seen the movie The Prestige? The Prestige? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You remember how David Bowie is, is Nikola Tesla? Yeah. And they, uh, and, they and like the big thing like was like the transportation with yep. the with the lightning capacitor. Oh yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking of that when they were they were talking about Einstein and Tesla being involved. 
Yeah, that was because that was uh, what was his name? That was the main guy that fucking uh, Christian Bale. Was that Christian Bale or was that the one with uh, Christian Bale and, and Hugh Jackman? Hugh Jackman, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. And, and then was it Christian Bale <laughs> was trying to figure out how he was doing it or something, or the other way around? Right. Yeah. Right. And it, yeah. yeah. It, no spoilers, but it you know it was fucking the ending was crazy. Well, the Christopher Nolan movies are amazing. And yeah. So. Yeah. They're just, they're just I, awesome. I, don't, I don't remember that movie. I know I've seen it, but I don't remember it. There was another one that was similar to that that came out at like the same fucking time. With um, um oh, Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Norton, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. I can't think of what that was called, but yeah, it was like, that's the one where, the prestige is good. Yeah. They were both okay, but the prestige was better, I think. Well, so yeah. the story allegedly began when a man named Morris Jessup went to his mailbox on January thirteenth. Not, not Morris Day. Not Morris Day okay. in the time. Okay. Not those guys. <laughs> Knock it around. <laughs> oh, wee, oh, wee, oh. <laughs> so he goes to his mailbox on January 13th, 1955, not likely expecting anything out of the ordinary. What he found would shock him. A letter from a man named Carlos Allende described a U.S. Uh, Navy experience. Allende? Allende. Yes. Because the double L. Correct, yeah. We're in America, goddammit. It's Allende. I'm just kidding to everyone out there. It's, it's Allende. It's Allende. How would Isaiah say it? That's Carlos Allende. <laughs> How would Jacques? How would Jacques say it? Jacques would say Carlos Allende. <laughs> so anyway, Carlos described a U.S. Navy experiment that had gone horribly wrong and had been kept secret for over a decade. Allende had written the letter after reading a book Jessup had authored, in which Jessup discussed Albert Einstein's unified field theory as a potential means of spacecraft propulsion. Allende outlined an experiment called Project Rainbow what would later be known as the Philadelphia Experiment. It was an exercise conducted in 1943 by the U.S. Navy using Einstein's unified field theory to cloak ships and hide them from view. Here, Allende, uh-huh. yeah. Here Allende made an outlandish claim. He said he had witnessed the destroyer, the USS Eldridge, appear and again disappear while he was standing on the deck of a nearby ship. Now, that's now, not... see, this is totally believable because... We were doing all kinds of crazy shit back then for the war. Oh, okay. I see. But you don't believe that that fucking dude time traveled and saw Sasquatch? No, not at all. Jesus Christ. Oh, pick and choose. Why don't you? Fuck, man. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) So it's not interesting enough. If that's not interesting enough, here's what puts the tale over the top. The Eldridge had been moored in Philadelphia. Allende's ship was in Norfolk, Virginia, 200 miles away. In other words, in an attempt to make the Eldridge invisible, the Navy had inadvertently teleported it from one harbor to another. Ah, it's a you big ass ship. Can you imagine the guys, like whatever this is, like say they had to throw a switch and they're like, all right, let's see what happens. And they fucking hit that and the thing, dis- they're like, oh yeah, that's cool. It worked. And then like they, it comes back and then like the phone rings like three seconds later and they're like, yeah, what? Wait, What? <laughs> What are you fucking talking about? Like, holy shit. What do you mean? These guys in Virginia like, dude, your ship just showed up and disappeared. Like, what the fuck? I don't know if they'd be that calm if that happened yet. So Allende went further to describe the lingering effects of the experiment on the crew of the Eldridge, which caused them to disappear and reappear without warning at later times. (laughs) Wait a minute, what? So they're saying that the, the crew would just disappear and reappear? Afterward, yeah, like... They're saying that like they could just be like walking down the street and they would fucking boop, just, just boop, and then be gone and back. Yeah, 
fucking crazy. Like just randomly disappearing and shit. So intrigued by this, Jessup encouraged correspondence with Allende, but soon began to question his honesty and discontinued the friendship. It may have ended there, if not for a strange copy of Jessup's book that landed in the hands of the Office of Naval Research. Someone had heavily annotated the book in different color pens. Whoever it was referenced the Philadelphia experiment and seemed to possess highly sophisticated scientific knowledge. Jessup could name um, one of the writers as Allende, but the identities of the other two remain a mystery. One theory often bannered about it is that the experiment conducted back in Philadelphia in 1943 somehow opened a small wormhole or black hole that warped space-time, thus moving the Eldridge from Philadelphia to Virginia in the blink of an eye. You like that? That was my snap. Good. That's good. good. It's an interesting idea, and if even remotely true, it seems unlikely that if even if a uh, few sailors were knocked around in the process, the United States would have given up on the expansion and perfection of such technology. Like they wouldn't. There's no way they would just be like, "Meh, so, it kind of worked." So, in that regard, though, he's saying that a few sailors got knocked around, or whatever the case is. If you get into it, you can read some other accounts where, when it when it disappeared then reappeared because of like the shifts they're saying that there were guys that were literally part of the ship like there were dudes that if they were walking when it happened like it it disappeared they were walking and then when it reappeared they, they were, were like melted like into it in the fucking wall oh shit like they'd like their top half of their body was like sticking out of the wall and they were just fucking like screaming and shit oh my god yeah like ridiculous stuff like that that sounds horrible yeah so controlling a device like this would mean allied aircraft and warships could appear anywhere around the globe at will. That would be amazing. <laughs> this would have been priceless at a time when the outcome of World War II was far from certain. So according to Einstein's theory of general relativity, wormholes are possible, as we discussed in part one. Yep. Theoretically, of course, and since the aim of the unified field theory was to rectify general relativity with the theory of electromagnetism, it seems reasonable that this was grounds for serious advancement. Do you following us along here, Jeff? Yeah, this is the, out of all of them, I buy this one the most. Okay. All right. So, but Only it all- because specifically government. So here's the thing, like they have unlimited funding. I'm going to believe the government or like a story like this over some fucking random dude that says he's a time traveler. Okay. Yeah, because but the one guy's running for president, that's government. No. <laughs> That's government. <laughs> they have unlimited resources. They have unlimited funds. Right. They have like the top top scientists in the world. And you know what? This probably did happen. And, pro- and what you're saying with the guys getting caught in the walls, and they probably just cut bait. They probably said, you know what? There's no fucking way we can control this of how they appear. We can't control the safety of it. Let's shut it down and it shut. Which definitely makes we sense. We, we definitely got to do something on the Philadelphia. Like yeah. the full. Like go through thing. the entire yeah. thing. Well, it also seems very odd that the United States military would scrap, you know, the work on such a device simply because it was too dangerous. Because, I mean, we've done there way worse than that. It's not like we haven't tested things on our own fucking like people before. Nuclear bomb. Agent Orange. A- yeah, absolutely. And and, and what's the uh, the one thing that we used to do? The psycho uh, analytic thing? What was that Yoko called? Ono. <laughs> Yoko Ono. I mean, that was pretty bad. <laughs> uh, but then they would go on, you know, possibly to create the most devastating weapon in the history of the world. That. So it seems reasonable that if they were working on a device capable of teleportation, that either the work continued in secret or possibly even still continues to this day. Mm-hmm. 
Wow! We'll be right back after this message. And now we return to your regularly scheduled program. So guys, you know what we're doing today? We're going to bring back a segment that I actually kind of miss. Really? It's one of my favorite favorite segments. And and What what segment would that be, John? We're going to talk about the movies. Oh. Because I'm you know, we're all movie nerds, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. we love the movies, man, and you know, I I know some of the topics we talk about, it's kind of hard because there's like one, one movie made about movie, <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? So like there was the what was it La Llorona? There's the movie La Llorona. The one, yeah. yeah, there was yeah, and there was like a three, and there was one that was like a three minute short or right. something. It's like okay. So sometimes it doesn't you know work for it, but we're talking about time travel, and there's a shitload of time travel movies oh, that have been yeah. made. All right, so we're actually going to go through the top ten as according to IMDb. Woo! And, and we still never figured out their rating system. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> just because we're older doesn't mean we're better. All right, <laughs> let's just be honest here. So number 10, and we actually mentioned this a little bit earlier. Number 10, according to them, is the butterfly effect. Yeah, okay. That is number 10. And uh, it's weird. That's that Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, it's Ashton Kutcher, Amy Smart, um, Laura Walters, and Eldon Henson. The movie actually grossed $57.94 million. That was a big movie when it came out. It I was, guess so. I remember it being pretty pretty big, yeah. It's got a 7.6. That's right when that Ashton Kutcher came off of Punk and Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> he had a little bit of uh, clout behind him. Yeah. So it's a good movie. Um, yeah. It says Evan Treborn suffers blackouts during significant events of his life. As he grows up, he finds a way to remember these lost memories and a supernatural way to alter his life by reading his journal. Mm. If you haven't seen it, basically he just figures out that certain moments dictate certain things that happen in your life. And he keeps going back to try to fix things and keeps fucking it up even more. Right. And then the ending is kind of weird. I mean, it's cool that he's a time cop and he was arresting people and like shooting them with zappers. No, 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 that's, that's, no, a, that's, that's a, a different, different movie. movie. Different movie, buddy. That's that. That's that Ashton Kutcher. No, no, <laughs> diff, no that diff, was something diff, else. Different movie, buddy. Different movie. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Number nine, and uh, I have a great story about this. It's Twelve Monkeys. Oh, I fucking love that movie. So, Twelve Monkeys. If you're not familiar with it, in a future oh, world so devastated good. by disease. A convict is sent back in time to gather information about the man-made virus that wiped out most of the human population on the planet. So it, it's Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt. COVID. And it, it's COVID, right? It basically is. And uh, it's got a, it grossed $57.14 million. Uh, it's got uh, eight stars on um, IMDb. So, so good. It's a, it's a weird movie. Yeah. Very Brad, weird. Brad Pitt is phenomenal is in that movie. He is, he, he is phenomenal. I have a great story. So the virus spreads, like the virus spreads throughout the Nakatomi Plaza, and it's supposed no. to be Christmas. No, no, that's, really that's a different movie. And Diff- then nope. no. Argyle, nope. the limo driver, he nope. pulls no, no, off no. and he tries to save the day. Jeff, that, that's, that's Die Hard. Yeah. That's not it? No, no, that's Die Hard. That's Die Hard, buddy. Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. So this movie, 12 Monkeys, we actually, uh, I my buddy Nate, and Jeff knows Nate. I don't know if you've ever met Nate before. Uh, Maybe. Um, we actually went to go see this when it first came out. Oh, nice. And we we watched the movie. And as we were leaving, I've never seen a human being more pissed off about a movie ever 
that he was like in the parking lot looking to fist fight someone because of how much he hated the movie. Really? He was like, this is the fucking worst fucking piece of shit. I swear to fucking like freaking out. Dude, I've never seen anyone freak out about oh a movie God, before. I think that's an amazing movie. That's I just thought it was a good film. I just thought it was funny that he was like wanting to fight someone. Over yeah, I've never it. been that bad. <laughs> I've never been that mad over a yeah, movie. Not a movie. Yeah. All right. So number eight, Jeff, it's time cop. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yes. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Starring the only one, Jean-Claude Van Damme. This is a great movie. So this, in this one, Drew Barrymore hits a tree, and she loses her memory. And every single day, no, no, Jeff, Adam Sandler Jeff, is trying Jeff, to... Re- Jeff, what? Jeff, that, that's 50 First Dates. I th- no, actually, oh. I think Jeff might be right on nope, this. No, no, you're both wrong. That's, that's, no? fi- that's 50 First Dates. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Okay. In this one, Max Walker, an officer for a security agency <laughs> that regulates time travel, <laughs> must fend for his life against a shady politician who's intent on changing the past to control the future. Dun, great movie. Dun, dun. By the way, yeah, great that was, movie. That was back when Van Damme was just putting movies out every day. But this one was pretty cool. I like the whole concept of yeah, it. It was no, awesome. It was, cool. it was all right. It made uh, 44. Do you remember Double Impact? Where do you have oh, twin brother? Yeah. The dancing <laughs> scene in that one was ridiculous. But yeah. uh, So this movie, Time Cop, made $44.85 million. Jesus. Came out in 99, or 1994. What does it say 99? There's no yeah. fucking way no, it no, came no. out in 99. It's only got 5.9 stars on... How is it above... I, I'll it's, never understand. It's it. amusing. Yeah, I'll never understand. All right, and the next one. Do you know who this one is? It's Arnold. It's the Arnold guy who's coming out. He's the fucking Terminator. It's number seven. <laughs> number seven is the Terminator. Of course, 1984. This is a great one. So this one, a spider gets imported from Africa, and John Goodman's the exterminator. No, no, that's and a re- that's in. Jeff. That's that's arachnophobia. That's arachnophobia. Are you sure? Yeah, that's 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 uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't even in that movie. No, he wasn't. No. Oh. Yeah. Okay. My bad. But then this one, a human soldier sent from 2029 to 1984 to stop an almost indestructible cyborg killing machine. See from the same year, which has been programmed to execute a young woman named Sarah Connor, whose unborn son is the key to humanity's future salvation. It's good. That's a pretty good. Uh, I'm trying. I'm working good, on dude. it. I'm working it's on good. it. So, uh, Lindo Hamilton, obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, great movie, man. I remember this. I can still go back and watch this, and it's oh, yeah, still it's dark. Awesome, oh yeah, it's such a dark, just just fucked up movie. And then uh, I can remember seeing this movie and when he's in the hotel room and his arm's all fucked up and he's doing surgery yeah, to his arm. Yeah. And then his eye, he's cutting his own oh. eye out. <laughs> Great movie. Yeah. But, and then he gets to choose what he wants to say to the guy and he's like, fuck you, asshole. Yeah, 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 yeah. He comes on a little screen. Yeah. Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> yeah. You know what's fucked up about this is that it, it only grossed $38.4 million. Really? Yep. Not a lot, considering that it's, it's. When did that? When did the first one come out? When did they? Eighty four. Eighty four. Yeah. Eighty four. Who, who was that? Was it? That wasn't Michael Bay, was it? Uh, James Cameron. 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 That's who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there wasn't enough explosions for a Michael Bay film. <laughs> and it's still just you so know dark. You married Linda Hamilton, by the way. Who did? James Cameron. No shit. Yeah. Did you know that Linda Hamilton's yeah. twin sister is her stunt double? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Swear to God, you can look it up. It's that's fucking amazing. crazy. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, double totally. impact. Yeah, <laughs> du- double impact. Um, so this one, I, I don't think I've ever seen this one. Um, number six is from 2012. It's safety, not guaranteed. Never heard of it. Oh, yeah. This is the one where Keanu Reeves walking around in a suit and everybody's trying to kill him. 
and he's an assassin, but he's nope, like trying nope, to get out Jeff. of the game because they stole his dog nope, and nope. they stole his car. Jeff, no, that's John Wick. Oh, yeah. You're getting I mean, better though. Getting I mean, closer with with John Wick around, your safety is not guaranteed. Dude, those are such great movies. I've only seen the first two. I haven't seen the third one. You just have to go into it knowing it's just going to be a shoot 'em up. They're making, fucking they're film making another one. They're, they're making a fourth one. Are they really? Yeah, yeah. I haven't even seen the third one yet. Yeah. Also, How many times because he can kill everyone. Speaking of Keanu Reeves, and I'm sure this movie is going to come up later, but uh, you the can new? now pre-order the new Bill and Ted for when it comes. I out. did see that. I did see. I that. assume that's on the list. So. Yeah, it, uh, maybe. All right. We're getting there. So number six, safety not guaranteed. It says three magazine employees head out on an assignment to interview a guy who placed a classified advertisement seeking a companion for time travel. That already sounds terrible. Yeah, uh, Aubrey Plaza, Mark Duplass, Jake Johnson, and Corin Sony. I don't well, know who any of those people are. It made $4 million. <laughs> <laughs> but it's ahead of Terminator. Yeah, but why is it ahead of Terminator? Oh, I don't, I'll never understand the scoring on this. Number five, though. Hot tub time machine. <laughs> I don't care what anyone said. That is a good it's movie. It's an amazing dude. movie. 2010. What the hell was that? Dude? You said you watched this in the hospital? That, that, that was my COVID uh, excitement. That's amazing. <laughs> Such a good I movie. I watched this in the hospital, though. I did it when I was laying in bed dying. I was like, I was watching Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> Movie's amazing. Even the second one was good. I yeah, thought they were, they were, I thought they were awesome. I actually haven't seen the second one. The first one, I love the first one, though. This one made uh, $50.29 million. A malfunctioning time machine in a ski resort takes a man back to 1986 with his two friends and nephew, where they must relive a fateful night and not change anything to make sure the nephew is born. <laughs> that was my 1980s comedy. It's good. I yeah, like is that, it. Is yeah, that good? Yeah. Yeah. 6.4. Molly Lou. Say what? Molly Lou. <laughs> yeah, uh, is that Motley Lou? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, number four, now I hear a lot of people have difference of opinions on this, um, is Looper from 2012. Oh, yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Is jo- that that dude? Dude, he played a good Bruce Willis. Yeah. He I was thought like, it was all right. I thought it was a cool... I liked the, the whole idea behind it. I yeah. thought it was pretty cool. The face thing, like, threw me off, though. It's so weird to get around, like, the, that face effect. You know how they made him look young, like a young yeah, Bruce Willis, yeah, like, yeah, with yeah. the nose and shit? It was just so weird. Well, most of that was him actually, like, making his face look like that. Like he was, he'd, yeah. he'd learned how to do the facial expressions, you know, with the squinty eyes or yeah. whatever. Yeah, he was doing that. And if you don't know about it, this one made $66.49 million. It was million. a pretty big movie, yeah. Pretty big. I mean, for Bruce Willis, he could pretty yeah, much was, shit in a bag and, and make that, I think that was right after uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt did uh, fucking Inception. Inception. Oh, so yeah. he was pretty big at the time. In 2074, when the mob wants to get rid of someone, the target is sent into the past where a hired gun awaits. Someone like Joe, who one day learns the mob wants to close the loop by sending back Joe's future self for assassination. Yeah. I love, I love how Will Smith tried to do this recently and it fucking flopped. Like he oh, totally he stole did this that. idea. That's right. He did that one where he's where like he fighting himself. Or self or, oh, yeah. yeah. I did see that. I did see that. I have it totally flopped. Well, he also put a movie out in the middle of a pandemic so no this I mean, was a couple of years ago no it was just recently yeah, this was a while ago this was like oh, was two it? years ago yeah oh no man, that just goes to show what the hell i'm doing just he doesn't have any he doesn't he's got no name anymore no one gives a shit number three on the list 2004 <laughs> primer i haven't i've heard of it i've never seen it though it made 
$0.42 million. <laughs> number three, though. It's number three. Number three on the list. Says four friends, fledgling entrepreneurs, knowing that there is something bigger and more innovative than the, than the different error checking devices they built, wrestle over their new invention. Shane Carruth, David Sullivan, Casey Gooden, and, and Anand Updaya. Never heard of any of those people. I haven't either. It's oh, right. yeah. <laughs> it's Jeff, a sci-fi thriller. Jeff, what's this one about? Yeah, what's this about, Jeff? So, essentially, what happens is these old people live in this nursing home, and they're on a boat, and they find this alien cocoon, and they get it on the boat, and inside the cocoon is alien. Well, the alien hatches in the cocoon, and it's like cures all the old people, makes them young again. Jeff, and Jeff, then they get caught. Jeff, hey, Jeff, is Jeff, like, we gotta no. get the fuck out of here. No, Jeff, and then Wilford Ridley's like, pretty I'm sure. it, I'm it. Jeff, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's actually called cocoon. That is Jeff. cocoon, but good throwback on that uh, one. Good bringing that. I don't one. know. I think, I think that's an actual movie. There, <laughs> it is an actual yeah, movie. Yeah, it's just a different movie. <laughs> that's all. All right, number two. <laughs> all right, of course. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the original from 1989. Two seemingly dumb teens set off on a quest to prepare the ultimate historical presentation with the help of a time machine. So good, dude. It grossed $40.49 million. When was that? 92? Uh, 89. 89? Holy shit. Yeah, 89. Keanu Reeves. I'm glad that's still number two. Yeah. That's well, a uh, lot of money in 89, too, man. Yeah, it did pretty well. But, I mean, that was kind of one of those ones that was like, you know, a lot of people didn't get it because it was hokey and kind of dumb and like whatever. They thought it was like a teen fucking. Right, whatever, it was, movie, yeah. You know, yeah. And like you know, us growing up, so good. Though. We were like, yes, you know. And so look, good, they're coming though. out with a new one, and now they're our age. Yeah. I mean, they were, you know what I mean? I still do. I still do Ziggy Piggy like at restaurants. I'll be like Ziggy Piggy. Yeah. <laughs> Eat the Ziggy Piggy. All right. The second one's amazing too. I love that they're bringing Death back. And I new know. One I too. saw. I thought he died. No. No. That's awesome. No, they just defeated him in the in the battleship or whatever the games they were playing. You have, you have sunk my you battleship. Sunk my battleship. <laughs> Whoa, we just Melvin death. So number one on the list of top ten, according to IMDB, top ten time travel movies is, of course, Back to the Future. 1985. This movie grossed 210.61 million dollars. Dollars. If you aren't aware of what Back to the Future is, um, first of all, get your head out of your ass and go watch that. <laughs> um, Marty McFly, a 17-year-old high school student, is accidentally sent 30 years into the past in a time-traveling DeLorean invented by his close friend, the eccentric scientist Doc Brown. Yeah, buddy. Amazing movie. 8.5 stars. Like, it's seriously... How does it only have 8.5 stars? Because... Come on, dude. Well, now that is out of 1,025,679 votes. Uh, But still. I know. It should still have a 10 plus. At least a nine and a half. I can seriously... Which one is it, though? Are they they considering it as the whole... Like, the franchise? Or is it just one single movie? Just the first one. Number two was, like, better than all of them. No, it's just the first movie. Just Back to the Future. the, The original movie. Oh, okay. And I don't yeah, care what anybody. I don't care what anyone says. I love the third one. A lot of people hate on the third. I one. like them all. I think it's awesome. And I can watch them over and over again in succession. I can watch yeah. them constantly. I love those damn movies. Of course, my. You like the Cowboy one? Oh, I love the cow. I love oh, it. Yeah. Dude. I think it's great. Absolutely. I went to the theater and saw that one. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely, I did. I'm old. On a, on a side <laughs> note, I wanted to look him up just because I wasn't sure. Uh, William Sadler, the guy that plays Death in Bill, he's seventy. Holy shit! And he's playing Death in Bill and Ted. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that movie. Yeah, he's 
That's going to be good. So those were the top 10 movies of time travel in the last, well, forever. (laughs) And they're amazing movies. And if you guys haven't seen those, go and see them. Interstellar not on there. Because that movie confused everyone on Earth. No, it didn't. Just the simple-minded. Are you talking about me, Jeff? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Do you think Sasquatch has a nephew or a cousin? Uh, It was his five-year-old son. Thank you very much. How did he know? By the way, how did he know he was five years old and his son? He's like, hey, Sasquatch, is that your son? He's like, how old is he? Oh, he's five. Okay. (laughs) Look, dude, Sasquatch can speak English, bro. So, hey, you know what? Yeah, he can speak English. Hey, Jeff. Yes, sir. You know what it's time for? What time is it? And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our news segment, WTF. Or as I like to say, what the f***? It's WTF, buddy. Oh, boy. There's so much to so much to say. So I don't know where to begin. Uh, why don't you begin by telling us of the unfortunate incident that happened to you in the hospital? Okay, well, and let me let me preface this that I think I went over this before, but I am COVID nineteen positive. Correct. Okay, so I had a bunch of symptoms. It all went to shit: fever, cough, not breathing, all that happy horse stuff. I ended up going to the ER with a hundred four degree um, uh, fever. Are, are you sure you weren't just drunk? Yeah, pretty sure. Okay, okay. I've been, I've been on I've been on tour before, so. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I'm in the hospital. I'm all fucked up from this stuff, and they're feeding me tons of antibiotics and tons of like medications and whatnot. Their IVs, trying to get my fever to come down and trying to control the COVID. And I don't know. Probably about the third day in, I'm laying in bed and kind of like a zombie at that stage, you know. And, they finally got under, like, my vitals under control, my heart rate, all this stuff. But I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of finally, for one moment, just taking a breather and just relax. Like, oh, my God, okay, I can finally, like, somewhat rest. I'm not going to die. I'm going to be okay. And, you know, when you get into a, a relaxing state, you like to, you, you like, you take that, you, you take your shoes off, you put your feet up. You may push a little far out here and there, you know, just kind of letting, letting the body just kind of wind down. So I'm sitting there, and, man, I got a fart. So I go to rip one, and it was not a fart. It was, it was I don't know, a couple liters of whatever solution they were putting in me. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, fuck, I'm 40 years old, and I just shit myself in the hospital. Like, what do I do? You know, I'm like a crippled man, you know, like I got this fever and I'm all hooked up to machines and shit. So like I, I crawl out of bed and I'm, I got my IV pole and all these tubes and wires and shit. And I'm like, I'm doing the, the penguin walk to the bathroom because my shorts are destroyed, you know, and I don't want to get all the floor. And, <laughs> and like, so like, I get into the bathroom and I'm like, oh my God, like, and all I had is my shorts. That's it. Like, I went to the ER in a rush, you know, I didn't like pack anything. So I'm like old school washing my shorts out and my underwear in the sink, like washing the baby poop out of them. You know, just like loving life. Life is grand. Washing stuff out. And then I got like this air purifier. Like every COVID room has an air purifier. 
<laughs> so like that was the only thing I had to dry my clothes. <laughs> so like I hung my like underwear, my shorts up after I washed them over the purifier, just, and then, like just poo-poo particles going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I cleaned it pretty good. I at least I think I don't defeated know defeated the but, purpose of the air purifier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then like you know all the doctors that come in are like Darth Vader. They're all full hazmat, but uh, they don't want to get COVID. So they got like, face shields, like body suits, and all this shit. And, so I'm sitting there, and I luckily I had a blanket so I could cover myself up. And uh, you know, the door opens up, and here comes Darth Vader. And she's like, "Oh, I need to check your vitals." I'm like, okay. So she's like looking at all the stuff, and she looks over. She's like, "Is that your underwear and shorts?" <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." At that moment, like every human has a decision to take a path. You can go left or right, right? So. I could have just owned it, but instead I had to make a creative team. So I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, I do my laundry every day. I'm really weird about it. I just want to do my laundry and then the hair dryer. She goes, oh, that's cute. I've never seen that before. <laughs> and like walked out. In the and, back. you know, like the rooms are all sealed. Like I'm like, I'm laying in bed. I look over and I got this window at my door. And, like I see her go out there and then I feel like a puddle of like all the nurses they're all like huddling around her. Oh, yeah. Like, she was story, you know? She was talking about it. I see them all. Yeah, they're all like pointing and giggling through my window, and I'm like, man, they know. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, she they knew. They know I shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just fucking shit his pants. <laughs> he totally I shit know. himself. I know he did. Oh, my, oh I my I wonder God. if it's on like my medical chart. Like, I was thinking about it. Like, when the doctor came in, when before I got like, you know, sniffed or whatever, I was, I was going to ask, like, dude, did they like I shit myself on my medical chart? <laughs> There's a little note like in the side margin. Yeah. It's like shit pants yeah. at 4:30. <laughs> so what confirmed it was he was like, "All right, so I'm gonna send you home. I'm gonna get you this antibiotic. You're gonna take steroids. He's like, you're gonna take Tylenol around the clock. So you're gonna check in. And he's like, also here's some stuff like, so I said, what's that for? He's <laughs> like, I just I noticed you're drying your clothes. I said, okay. <laughs> Did they so. give you some diapers to take along with you too? <laughs> they should have. They stuck a bedpan under me when I was sleeping. Well, Jeff, I do want to. I want to tell you though. Don't feel bad, because uh, like I like I, I informed you the one time that when I was in the hospital when I was sick, I was in the same thing. I was in quarantine, and they were just pumping stuff in me. And uh, I I was in quarantine for in the hospital. I was I was in the hospital for almost two weeks, and they pumped me so full antibiotics, same kind of thing. And I, uh, I shit myself in the bed at least three times when I was in there. <laughs> so, so you're yeah, not, yeah. you're not the only one that's ever shit yourself in a hospital. And Jeff, I shit myself all the time. <laughs> I think John just shit himself right now. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you guys, if you guys really want to have a laugh, my sister's probably going to be the one having to clean up that shit now. Oh, oh, <laughs> <nice>. gross. <laughs> Well, we're glad you were. There's that feeling, you, you know, that, that, there was that feeling. Like, yeah. and it's that you're confident, like, you know, this is going to be a good part. And you're going to feel awesome. Yeah. You're going to take a nap. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like, you're going to let it out. And it's going to be nap time. But the price is right is on. You paid out for that. And as it was, soon it was as ready to go. And, <laughs> and as soon as it, as soon as it went, man, and you know, you know, it wasn't what you thought it was yep. going to be. Like, that second, it's kind of like, uh, I guess the question on everybody's mind is, at least mine is, did did you stop or did you let it go? You can't stop once no, you start. I, yeah, you it's it, once you you know once the levy breaks, as Robert Plant would say, <laughs> it's it's done. 
There's no stopping it, man. Once it's coming, it's yeah. coming. Well, we're glad you are better or getting better, man. And we can't wait for you to get back here and uh, actually be on the, the show time. with us. You know, I'm pushing more each day. It, I, I get winded really easy and I uh, take breaks a lot. But the fevers are gone, which is good. Um, my cough is almost gone, which is good. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm you can start, sm- you can start I, smoking. I no it. <laughs> yeah, I have no taste. But she, the doctor said that's probably gonna take like a month. So that's kind of a shitty part. Like everything I eat has like no fucking flavor whatsoever. But yeah, but yeah. now you can now you can try all those foods you never tried before. <laughs> yeah. And uh, listen, I mean, the good news is I survived. You know, so yeah. I, I got it. I survived it, and now you know. Hopefully, my antibodies will pick up, and I won't have to worry about this shit ever again. So. I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you a shirt that says "I got coronavirus," and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Well, listen. I know Perfect. that the uh, a lot of the passengers were asking about you, and they were sending you all kinds of uh, you know. Yeah, get thank well you soon. to everybody that sent me. My, I, I apologize if I didn't respond. I was shitting myself and dying, so you know. It's kind of you know, my phone wasn't really accessible <laughs> at that point. Kind of hard to answer things when you're dying and shitting yourself <laughs> at the same time. So yeah, yeah, but I do appreciate all the reaching out. I did see it all. So uh, just so everybody knows, I did get your messages. Um, and all the well wishes, and I really appreciate it. it. Really means a lot. So thank you for that. Awesome. Well, we're glad you're you're not dead. So it's a good thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could we could have gone viral if I would have. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's true. Maybe we would have got more listeners out of it. Oh. Yeah. We couldn't lose you, I'm Jeff. Not 20, I'm not twenty. I'm not twenty-seven though, so we're we're beyond the mark. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but everyone knows you're. You know. You get very popular after you die. Yeah. What happens? This is true. All right, passengers. <laughs> so everybody stay safe. Listen, it's <laughs> so dark. No jo- all joking aside, all joking aside, the, the, the virus is no joke, man. I, I've never felt so sick in my entire life. There's a couple points that I actually didn't think I was going to make it, to be honest with you guys. So just wash your hands, do your part, man. Like, wear your mask. If you don't got to be around people, if you can wait a couple months, if you can wait till later, put it off. Just people because I'll tell you what I'm 40 years old and this was one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my life I can't imagine an older person with health issues going through this it's no wonder why they're dying like it's no joke man so everybody out there listening please take care of yourself take care of your family and just do the right thing for now all this shit their stuff so you you did have pneumonia as well though correct was that like a, it, yeah was that like a side effect of the well from what I'm from what I'm told and what I've read or whatever it's um it kind of goes along the lines of um with uh HIV and whatnot where it lowers your immune system right and it allows certain so, things so, to so you basically got your immune pneumonia. system actually kills you in COVID that's, right. that's what kills you so you're you're you got pneumonia due to having COVID is that what it was so and I don't know if it's because I've been a smoker for so many years or what like I have no idea I'm sure I working with doctors i'm still working with them every single day and health board i'm sure eventually i'll figure it out but for whatever reason most people get the strain where it's a dry cough and you can't catch up on your breath like it just your lungs it's all dry right right mine was a pneumonia in my lungs so i was essentially drowning myself so right. when i couldn't breathe and i couldn't catch my breath it's because i'm drowning fluid is right what it was okay so it was Kind of a, uh, it, it was definitely Corona. Like, of course, all my blood work and all the tests and everything is 100% Corona. But it was like a string or like a, 
it was a, I don't know how to explain it to the doctor. It's kind of like a, my version of coronavirus, I guess. Well, they say, yeah, my sister was saying that it basically hits everybody differently. And that's one of the reasons that again, having... I don't know if that's because I'm a smoker that my lungs are already destroyed that it was just like, well, fuck it, it's going to be liquid and not dry. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the science behind that. There's yeah. probably something to it. Well, we're just glad you're okay, yeah. man. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. You're all right, and you're... Well, thank you. You're Chill out, take your time, get better, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll be here. The passengers will be here with us when, yeah. when you get better, right? Yeah. Right. That's right. All right, so passengers, we hope you enjoyed your second ride on time travel. So listen, keep voting for your upcoming uh, the upcoming episodes at our Facebook page or at the midnighttrainpodcast.com. Click on the you pick the hey, episode. Uh oh, what? Can we can we go around the table real quick and discuss or just say real quick what our favorite one was of the whole miniseries? What our favorite? Uh, yeah, absolutely. What was yours? I like the Philadelphia. I'm all about it. I think that is like legit. I think it's awesome. I think it's possible. I think it's the most realistic out of all of them. That's the one I'm going. Okay. What do you think? Do you have to ask? No, we know who you are. You know what yeah. my favorite is. What's his name? <laughs> Borciago. 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 Yeah, that's my boy. I have to, I have to say that mine is the the guy that like literally duped everybody. The the the, the time traveler. The very uh, the, the two point five. Say what? Titter? Yeah, Titter. John Titter. He he didn't dupe anybody. He's a time traveler. Okay, well, I I feel that... So, speaking of dupe, this is what I was telling you. This is what I was going to tell you earlier. We talked about it briefly. There was a guy recently, and I told you his name. He went by the name Noah. And I was going to put him in here, and I started doing all this research on him. I'm like, dude, this is fucking phenomenal. Like, he's got all this crazy shit going on. He passed a lie detector test about everything, and he had this, this, this ruse going on for a while and then basically he gave it up he came out and was like you guys are all fucking idiots i faked you all out <laughs> like i trolled the shit out of everybody and now you're all morons it's pretty amazing but and there's dude there's a lot of other cool little stories like there's one uh it's called like the green children of um wool wool pit the green children of wool pit this was another like back in the day like 1800s maybe even earlier than that that they uh it, it was I can't remember where it was at. It was in Woolpit, wherever that is. I don't remember exactly where it is, but uh like these two kids came wandering out of the forest basically and they were green. Like their skin was green. Hmm. Oh, nobody, I, I've heard of that story before. And nobody yeah, knew yeah. where they and they said that they were from wherever and they came out of this cave. So basically they were saying that they went into this cave and came out in our time, like where we were, and nobody could figure out where they the boy supposedly, if this story is true, like they they took the kids to the town or whatever and the boy died shortly after but the little girl like Oof. she they, they didn't know the language and shit and she ended up like learning how to speak the language and like she grew up a little whatever but yeah like there's all kinds of like weird little shit like that so and it's all over the place it's crazy yeah it is it's absolutely crazy but we we, we really hope that everyone out there has their own favorite and we'd yeah, love yeah. to know what your favorite is I think of we this should, entire I, thing. I definitely think we got to do either at minimum or like a little bonus episode or something on the philadelphia experiment for, for sure there's so much into yeah. that. Yeah. It might actually be its own episode. It could be. Well, I mean, it definitely could be. You know what? I'll leave that up to you and your research and let me know. And well, we got next we week's do. next week's is already planned out. So And we do do you, do we wanna do you wanna drop what next week may be? And Jeff's building like a fucking time machine right yeah, now. Yeah, I can hear actually. it. I think. Yeah. 
Maybe that was the was that the Lincoln logs from <laughs> from earlier. <laughs> I'm going back. I'm going back to dinosaur ages to grab chainsaw and bring him to the future. Oh, right. okay. As, right. as young as young chainsaw, oh. that's my birthday present to him. Maybe that's how he got here. Ooh. See, see the paradox awesome. going on now. Yeah. So yeah, we. I mean, we have next week's already. Yeah. Which if you, I mean, if you want to, because we were we were giving it up before. So if you want to like, if you want to go ahead, we can give it up. Next week, we're going to be talking about something that's a little bit kind of on the nose right now. Uh, it definitely goes along with the times. We're going to be talking about the Black Death, a.k.a. the bubonic plague. Yeah, that's right, buddy. And we're, we're going to get into that one because there's all kinds of crazy shit, especially nowadays. <laughs> we're going to have a special new segment on that one as well. Um, so, yeah, so make sure you guys are sticking around for for next week's episode because it's going to get it's going to get a little bit dark on that one yeah it'll be yeah lots of lots of death i haven't i'm not super i'm not super far into my research yet and i'm like okay yeah it's 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 pretty rough it's definitely pretty rough listen it'll be be a good though it'll be a good one one for sure so listen over at the midnight train podcast.com like i said you can uh, pick the you uh pick the episode button pick an episode and something you guys want to hear us talk about plus at our website you can buy some super sweet merchandise and super uh, sweet super sweet And we will donate 10% of every sale to the National Association on Mental Illness. If you or someone you know is struggling with any mental health issues, call the NAMI, that's NAMI Helpline, at 1-800-950-6264. You can also call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Or in a crisis, text NAMI to 741741 because mental health is no joke. So real quick on that on that point, on a serious note, I had uh, I had read something a buddy of mine posted. Um, it was like stats, um, like basically around this time frame, like since the whole COVID thing started and like all the uh, quarantining and isolation and all that kind of shit started. And the, the numbers, it was almost like sickening to read, but it was basically like. Uh, the age group of like, I think it was like 23 to 40, something in that range, uh, over or near 25% of people that were, that were questioned or whatever in that age range. And I don't remember the sample size. It was pretty significant though. Like 25% of people in that age range have, have considered suicide right in the last like six months. It's a rough time for people. So and, if you if and, you're and in if that, it's out there, if you're in one of those twenty five percent, like, please talk to somebody. Yeah, seriously, like uh, the numbers that we reached out there. Or listen, if you guys, you guys just need to talk, man, hit us up online, talk to us. We'll we're, we're there. We're there to talk to people, and it's not like we haven't gone through through it before. Because I I know I have. I am diagnosed and. I'm dealing with my shit, and like I said, you know, I'm feeling pretty fucking good today. <laughs> hey, I've got plenty of shit stories to make you guys laugh if you need to call me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just got the poop stories. <laughs> also, listeners keep asking how they can keep uh, the steam in our engines. Well, y- you guys like what you hear from us. Just consider being a producer of the show by heading over to the themidnighttrainpodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button. For as little as five bucks a month, you can get all kinds of cool shit like a custom t-shirt, 
custom poster, custom sticker, bonus episodes, lots of bonus episodes, and way more. So if you're a diehard Midnight Train fan. And I don't touch them. Just so you guys know, there's a guy that could be any COVID attached. I don't handle any of that shit. <laughs> Jeff doesn't touch anything, so there will be no COVID attached to it. Nope. Um, so if you want to help produce this motherfucker, our Patreon is definitely for you. And for those of you that would rather just leave us a one-time donation because you really like what we do and you really want to support us, you can head on over to PayPal and use the email address, themidnighttrainpodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can easily like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. And most importantly, share the Midnight Train to everyone. It takes only a couple of minutes and word of mouth is how we're going to get more passengers on this train and continue to bring you weekly episodes. We honestly cannot thank you guys enough for listening, and we know this has been a very long-winded, big, double episode, but there was a lot it was to put today. in here. Today was fun, man. Yes, it was cool. <laughs> There's a lot of crazy shit going on there. So listen, as we do at the end of this episode here, we got a big fucking midnight train shout-out to... Oh, boy. Tess, <laughs> Kevin, Matt, Diana, Christopher, Jacqueline, Katie, Michaela, Tamar, Tommy Speakabox, the Sister Skeleton. Make sure you check out the Sister Skeleton podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Riley, Diane, Alina, Stephanie, Julie, Laura, Cynthia, Kirsten, Dawn, Nicola, uh, Chanel, Alex, Emily, Ann, Son of Vasco, Alicia, Frandipi, Danny, Melissa, Grace, Stormy, Eva, Melissa, Wayne, Victoria, Hager, Sean, Chainsaw, Jigsaw, Bill, Son, wow. <laughs> Bill, Son, Colin, <laughs> Todd, David V. That's David Vallow. That's our buddy. Juan, Belen, Ken and Brad over at Voodoo Vodka, Ch- uh, Chef Kevin, Katie, Davy, our Mexican Vato, and a very special thank you to our superhero Patreon producers, Chad Flint, Cheryl Pierce, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Funbox podcast, which, by the way, we're going to be doing a two thing going back and forth with those guys. Yeah, right. I'm we're working on that. Yeah, we're working on that right Definitely now. Definitely want to go on the uh, Funbox podcast and maybe have Rob over on ours as well. Uh, Christina Skelton, Jessima, Jessica Bartolome, Bill Birch, and Samantha Pickworth. And if you want your name to be mentioned on the show, sign up as a member on our website. Or if you want to become an amazing Patreon producer, just go ahead and sign up for that. Yeah. So, Moody, you got anything you got to say? Uh, Asiago 2020. <laughs> Jeff, how about you, buddy? Don't listen to the fucking thing Moody says if you love your children and you want a life. <laughs> Stay safe out there, passengers. And as always, choo choo, motherfuckers! Wow, this is really boring, guys. <laughs> <laughs>